Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, I tell you, I'm just sitting here cracking myself up. <laughs> we're going to have Tara D. join us in just a little bit here. We're going to talk about the critters and the animal shelter here uh, in Santa Rosa County. But uh, while I'm waiting for her to join us, um, I had a couple of funny <laughs> – sorry. I had a couple of funny posts. One I posted last night, um, and the one I, I thought of this morning, but I didn't have enough time to get to it because the show was starting in like you know 45 seconds. And I just – oh, no, I can't do it. I can't post it yet. Anyway, so what I want to do is – and I've already posted this, but we need to start uh, changing our language. You know how I, I – Always have different things um, to uh, to redefine stuff. You know, like January 6 is the uh, Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-in, and I don't use the term Rhino anymore. They're they're transgender Democrats and uh, all the different things like that. So I was trying to think of a term for people that drive in their car by themselves wearing a mask with the windows up, and I came up with the term mask alone. <laughs> in other words, mask alone. So so they're they're mask alone. So if you see someone in a car, say, look, there's a mask alone. Teach your kids. That's a mask alone, dear. You know, so uh, all kinds of stuff. Oh, there's Tara now. Let's bring her on. <laughs> she, she can enjoy the fun of, uh, uh, of some of the stuff I'm talking about here. So, uh, so uh, Tara, good morning. We're, we're going to digress from uh, your, your valuable, wonderful service here with the animal shelter and engage in a little political humor. Sound good? Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> okay. See what happens when you call in? You never know. Once I, if, you don't, if you're not there right at the start of the show, I just start talking. And from there, anything can happen. <laughs> so you really want you know, if you, can, if you want to be on, on board like a 30 seconds to a minute ahead of time, that's probably a safer idea for me. So anyway, so last night, like I was saying, I was, uh, I was trying to think of a, a word because I, I redefine everything. Uh, Dr. Fascist. You know who I'm talking about, right? I'm going to say Dr. Fascist. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Okay, good. All right, so just jump right in. Okay, come on. This is, this is live radio. Um, and uh, the, the other term of, what are some of the other things I'm, I'm uh, commonly, uh, oh yeah, January 6th, the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In, uh, and some of the other terms. <laughs> this is a term for everything. You, you like that one? Yes, that's very cute. I like that. Very clever. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I have my moments. Anyway, um, so I was trying to think of a name for, for a person driving in their car by themselves with the windows up wearing a mask, and they came up with the term <laughs> mask alone. Those are mask alone. <laughs> So you like that? Yes, so, definitely. That's so, appropriate, so you can, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you can say to your friends when you're driving along, look, folks, there's a mask alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are people still doing that? But I haven't seen oh, that. But, I mean, well, I've seen it in the past, but I haven't seen it this go No, I, I haven't seen somebody yet. But when I do, I'm just going to look at them and go, mask alone. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Yeah. You know, yes. I remember one, seeing that. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing that previously, though. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, that was the big joke, you know, when all these COVID, the stupid COVID mandate and illegal restrictions came out. I, see, I said the dumbest thing would be somebody actually wearing a mask in their car with their windows up. And sure enough, within a week, I saw somebody went, oh, my God, truth is stranger than fiction. <laughs> these people really are dumb. Um, so the next term I thought of, go ahead, are you going to say something? Mm-hmm. Just leap right in. Oh, no. no I'm good. Go okay. Ahead. All right. Because when I get on a roll, it's dangerous. So the other thing I thought. What are we going to call these masks? I said, they don't work. You know, I've been trying to think of a really quick, you know, witty retort when someone says, where's your mask? You know, of course, the obvious answer is I don't need one. I have an immune system. Uh, But I said, that's not quite. We need something more clever than that. Uh, I think so. So now I'm going to start calling them placebo masks because they don't do anything. Right. They just make you feel good. 
And so, mm-hmm. so, so my new retort is going to be, well, why would I wear a placebo mask? What do you mean a placebo mask? Well, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> maybe, you, know, you may feel better wearing it, but it's not, you're not accomplishing anything. It doesn't stop viruses. It doesn't stop anything, really. Um, so that's, uh, that's my new thing. So I'm going to start calling them placebo masks and see if that uh, has an impact on the, the political lexicon. But at least so they're my, cute sometimes, you know. Sometimes you can show your um, you can show your support of which football team you're liking with mask on. So you know they, they can be a fashion accessory. I think I think if I remember correctly, uh, they had the bikinis with the matching mask for a bit. Oh no, you're <laughs> kidding! You really? Those? Oh, I need yeah. a picture. Oh yeah, I'll put it on the man page. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that online somewhere. There's a bikini with a matching with matching masks, you know, to go so that you're fashionable when you're, you know, have your mask on. So One should be fashionable when one is politically oppressed. I do agree with you there. You've got to look good on your way to the gulag. That is, At all times, absolutely. Yeah, no, it makes sense to me. Do, do they have matching bandanas to go along with the, the masks and uh, two-piecers? That'd I don't know, piece, probably. I'm, I'm sure you could probably find that, yeah. Yeah, that might be like the bonus package with, with the bandana with as well. With the bandana, so. okay, with an appropriate message, yeah. Because mine would be uh, unprintable. <laughs> you know, where's your message on your bandana? Well, you can't print the one that I'd want to say. Oh, okay, Greg. Anyway, hi, Tara. Who are you? Good morning. I'm, I'm good. How are you this morning? I'm a great time. So let's, let's reintroduce you. I'm going to get you a theme okay. so you don't have to do this every week. But uh, at some point, I'll, I'll get some like, appropriate critter music and, or maybe some bluesy thing. I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I get, it's uh, not the Sarah McLaughlin song because it's too sad early in the morning. So. Well, I, but, yes. what's, what's Sarah McLaughlin's so, song? Um, you What's know, that? the one that they play on the Humane Society commercials, the arms of the angel, where it looks all oh, the animals no. are super sad, oh. and it makes everybody want to cry. Yes, yeah, so we don't want to start out oh. with sad music. No, this is a happy, this is a happy time. Yeah, We're going to get exactly. pets adopted. Yeah, no, I, yes, I can't absolutely. use copyrighted. So I can't use copyrighted music anyway. It's all uh, okay, there's a, there's a sound of, there's a sound effects and a sound and a music uh, website I have, and uh, oh, okay, okay. all the different tunes that we have. Have you ever heard any of our themes? I should play somebody else. Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, let's, let's have a little fun here. <laughs> we get to, um, you know, uh, okay, let me see what I got. It's, it's Friday, uh, and you're first up, so, so you get the, the brunt of my energetic sparring. <laughs> so let me find Shelby. Shelby had one of the best themes out there. It was short, because uh, Shelby does our, our cruise and travel report. She used to do it all the time, but she's so busy with her mm-hmm. own business, I don't hear from her as much. So this is the one I made for Shelby. Yeah, man. Home yes, very, very islandy. Faraway places, yes. wonderful beaches, exotic foods, meet new and fascinating people as Action Radio Cruise and Travel Reporter Shelby Fernet takes you to where dreams become your reality and experiences become your best memories. Yeah, man. Here we go. <laughs> my apologies to all of Jamaica listeners for my rather bad accent, but it was fun. So that's the kind of thing I do. So you, you'll get a theme, too, Okay. Uh, okay I get nice. a feel for the report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look forward to so, seeing how it turns out. Yeah, well, hearing. You're not going to see it. <laughs> well, that's true. Unless I, I have, it. what is it, synesthesia? So then I could, you know, technically see the Wait music, a minute. Are you but... teaching me words? What was that word again? Is it, and I could be wrong, is it synesthesia where you can see colors and see different things like that? Where I people no see, idea. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think it, because some people can see, like, purple they see the color i see color i mean i dream in color dreaming in black and white is boring let's look it up no, no, they, they actually they got me um, thinking now uh, what's the word again no maybe it's oh what i'm, I'm gonna have to look it up on my phone right now i'm doing I, right now i got my i got my online oh, okay. dictionary not 
What? How do you spell it? C-I-N or S-I-N? I think it's S-Y-N. Oh, See, this is what happens cool. when you when you don't go back to school, folks. You just forget all any knowledge that you had. No, no, no. Just so. come here. We we talk about all kinds of things that you never learned in school. Synesthesia. Yes. Oh, I, I found it. Synesthesia. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you're a genius. The production of a sur- uh, sense of what is it? The production. I'm going to lower it down a bit. Okay. Uh, trifocals. The production of a sense impression relating to one's sense or part of the body by stimulation of another sense or part of the body. That doesn't make any sense. That's when not, your brain routes color. sensory information through multiple unrelated senses, causing you to experience more than one sense. Some examples include tasting words or linking colors to numbers and letters. Well, your dictionary is a lot better than mine, so thank you. <laughs> that was good. Wow. No, see, you're, you, you're, there's, there's some real potential here for you. Uh, you know, we're <laughs> going to we're gonna have to expand your report, so we need some rambling time. So well, thank goodness for Google, because like if I can't remember something, I'll be like, oh, what was that? And I'm like immediately going in to look it up. Because I oh, used I to be a, um, I used to back in my earlier day, I would quote movies a lot, but I, my mm-hmm. memory's bad now. But so I would have to now I have to look it up and go, you know that one movie, and I have to go and search it until I find the movie. So oh, listen, don't think you're getting old. Uh, the thing is that when you're younger, you have much less to remember. You know, and well, I'm in my sixties. I'm in my 60s, right? So by the time you get to this point, I have so much stuff in my head, so much useless information that I surround myself with. No, I do. And I surround myself with people with all kinds of other useless information. So between the whole show here, you know, all the reporters, we've got a collective amount of really useless information, but we all know different stuff. And Mm -hmm. so that's why you have to look things up, you know, because there's just so much stuff there already. And right. you have to compartmentalize sure. and file it and things like that. Yeah, but uh, no, no, feel free. We're gonna, yeah, you're gonna get some philosophy into your report and uh, you know, all this other stuff. Do you have any medical background or, or are you just uh, uh, no, that just, word out of nowhere? Veteran, yeah, just some veterinary role. No, a friend of mine has that. So um, I've she's talked about that before. How it, how she kind of sees colors. She was trying to describe it to me, and it, it sounded crazy, but it was cool, you know. So I kind of paid. I think that's what stuck in my head. The the actual term. Hmm. Yeah, I learned a new word today. This is kind of this is kind of cool and kind of good. Um, do animals do that? Do they do they use multiple emotions and feelings to go through life? Has, has this ever been applied to animal behavior? Um, you know what? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't either. I'm not sure. That's why I asked. I, I think yeah. that I think that you know it's pretty limited on some of the things that they've searched with animals because I don't know. I think the more we know, the more awful we would feel about how we treat animals so maybe that's why they don't do as much research on on how animals feel and but they definitely have emotions and i know people tend to think oh no no, they don't have this they don't have that but eh, I, I tend to disagree on that just from just from what we see in our everyday dealings with animals here they definitely experience fear and happiness and nervousness and what they call resource guarding it's it's they say dogs don't get jealous. Eh, I disagree with that as well, personally. No. I mean, I've seen a dog definitely. They, the, the term is like resource guarding. Oh, they're resource guarding this person. But really, it's pretty much jealousy. It's kind of the same thing. So, But, I mean, it's easier to understand, I guess, for some people if they put it in a different term for people so they can go, oh, okay, you know, so that it makes sense to them why the animal is doing what they're doing. But as long as people understand it, you know, whatever term you need to use, I think it's fine. Hmm. I have to find a way to work that into a conversation. You're jealous, Greg. No, I'm not. I'm resource guarding. You're what? Yeah. I'm just resource guarding. That's all. I've 
never heard that before. Well, animals, you know, you think about it, especially dogs and cats. Dogs and cats are the bridge between uh, humans and the animal world. So the animal world mm-hmm. is natural, spiritual, it's, it's instinctive, it's uh, definitely emotional. Uh, and so to live in that world, especially if you're pure wild, let's take a wolf versus a um, uh, German shepherd. So you had wolves in the wild. They already have a hierarchy. They're highly intelligent. They work as a pack. Mm-hmm. They coordinate. They have, they have a whole family structure. You know, and and they're, yet they're animals, right? And so right. Then, you take a, then you take a dog, you know, which has all that wolf background, uh, but then can be like a German shepherd, say a guard dog. It can be just as fierce as a wolf, but it's trained. So it, it has, it's, it's more particular. It's doing what it does because either, you know, uh, respects, loves the owner, or it's trained to do it, or the reward system, or probably a combination of, of both. It's like, uh, I don't know how exactly the psychology works, but you think about it, it's not that different. I mean, what's the difference between a, a German shepherd guard dog and a wolf, especially if they're protecting something that they care about? And so right. it's a bridge. So these animals are bridges. And so they are part of the human world, which is, I don't know, conversational. I mean, we, you know, we probably do a lot more. I mean, we have language. You know, we have thoughts. We have humor. We have all kinds of things. Uh, the animals are, are sort of, and they're picking up as much as they can. But then you can see from them into the, back to the animal world, you know, the wolves, the pack animals, the, the, the big cats, things like that. So it'd be mm-hmm. kind of, that'd be an interesting thing to talk about if you ever wanted to do a, a feature you know, uh, report, do a little research on this. This might be interesting. Uh, who knows? It might break some new ground here of, of, of dogs and cats, especially as the bridge between the animal and the human world. It's kind of interesting mm-hmm. to think about. What do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, because, you know, we as humans, I don't know, we get stuck in our little world and we think everything is just so important. And animals, I mean, they're so, they can be complex, but mostly they're just simple, like, hey, feed me, love me, water me, and then they have their, their family, and family is, like, their top priority pretty much other than eating. So it's like, uh, you know, we probably should uh, pay more attention to, to the way that they live in some ways. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's we just kind of get sidetracked with a bunch of garbage that we don't need to, and it's like, hey, if we just kind of look at that, you know, they, they've, they're kind of that in-between world where you can still have some sense of, I don't know. You can you can have some structure like in the human world, but and then there's still structure in the animal world in the wild, you know. But the, mm-hmm. yeah, the dogs and cats kind of bridge that area. Like, hey, you can still have this, but you can also have a bit of wild too. Yeah. Do you ever have a situation? Uh, have you had wolves as um, shelter animals? I mean, people they either I don't know, like one, dogs are like one quarter, one half wolf, or they're they're partially wild. Uh, or even maybe um, fully we wild, have had, adopted. We have had hybrids. We suspect where hybrids come through. We've had a couple that were definitely hybrids, and they are not. So you have to have a special permit to have them if they are a certain percentile. And okay. so normally, I think the two that we got, we sent them to a refuge. This was many years ago because you could tell by looking at them. It's like, whoa, okay, these are definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, definitely not a not your average doggy dog. So we yeah. did send, uh, like I said, a couple of them went to wildlife, ref- excuse me, wildlife refuges. And then we have had other animals come through. I know we've had um, a couple coyotes in the past. We've had, really? we actually yeah. had a, yeah, we had a fox before. And it was actually a, a pet fox and he was licensed and everything. So he went back to the owner, but he was beautiful and not the typical fox that you see around here. I think he was like a silver fox or something. I don't know exactly well, what the term was. We had him in California, but uh, mostly they're a red fox. But yeah, I'm sure the silver. And, and oh. it looked like he had like a beautiful flowing mane. And we're like, okay, this is clearly not a typical fox that's running the roads around here. So we, you know, 
we were like, okay. And so then we immediately got a call, I think, a couple hours later that he was missing. So he was returned to the owner. And I don't recommend, you know, taking in a fox as a pet, but this was a rehab person, a wildlife person. So they did have the proper licensing for that. So. Yeah, these are wild animals, and, and with the term wild, I mean, people have had, uh, they picked up deer from the roadside, put them in the back of their car. You know, the deer was unconscious because it wakes up. <laughs> Deer's oh, not yeah. happy waking up in an enclosed space like that, and oh, they tend no. to destroy yeah. your car. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, and they're pretty strong, Absolutely. too. You know, and, yeah, uh, definitely. It, I mean, because you figure yeah. they will bear up, you know, if somebody gets in an auto accident where they accidentally hit a deer, it, it does major, in addition to obviously the deer, but it does major damage to your vehicle because they're super strong and is to be, you know, to be these little petite, from afar, like petite-looking animals just trolloping through eating grass. Like they can, you know, they're pretty sturdy. Oh, yeah. You know, I actually was in a car. If I might digress a bit, um, it was, it was, it was <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. I was the first date back in California, and a woman she was driving. And this is where, okay, now we're going to get into the, into the freaky world here. I don't think I've ever told the story on the air. Um, but I had a premonition that I was going to have to steer the car, and I was only going to be able to see through a tiny little crack in the windshield, and I was going to follow the white line on the side of the road. And I'm in the passenger seat, right? 30 seconds mm-hmm. later, we hit a deer. The hood flies up, and all I can see is the white line of the road, you know, the little crack oh, on the right, the right side of the window, okay? This is a true story. I'm not making this up. I couldn't make this up, right? And, and so I grabbed the steering wheel, because otherwise we wouldn't have been in a ditch or hit a telephone pole or, or, or right. we, we could have been killed by it, right? Um, um, unfortunately, this was our last date, too. I guess it was a little too freaky for, uh, for my new friend. But uh, literally grabbed the wheel and steered the car through several curves. And I said, just start, I said, just start applying brake pressure. Just, you know, do this calmly. I've got the wheel. I, you know, we had no idea it was ahead of us, right? So if anything was ahead, we wouldn't know. So I said, let's, right. uh, let's get this, you know, so like, slow down now. I said, don't panic. We're going to be fine. And we slowed it down. And we actually ended up right by a telephone um, by, uh, this is in California, northern San Francisco, the Sears Point Raceway. I think it's got a new name now. You know, called for tow truck, went to dinner. <laughs> what do you do, right? But uh, <laughs> that was the weirdest thing. So, so another thing, too, folks, be in touch with your, your, your psychic, your premonition side. Uh, and I don't know, wow. this would be a whole other, because animals are going to do this too. In other words, the, in San Francisco, all the, the cats and dogs disappeared a couple of days or a day before the earthquake. They knew. Yeah, that's I don't crazy. Know how they knew. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah. yeah, and they all came back a couple of days later. Um, so uh, hungry, <laughs> but they came back. Uh, and nobody <laughs> yeah. knows where they went. They just, they just disappeared. I mean, all the animals were gone. Was, hey, have you seen my cat? No, have you seen my cat? No. no. <laughs> yeah, okay. that, that would be a little nerve-wracking if you, yeah, all your, you check with your fellow neighbors and everybody's like, yeah, my pet's missing too. Oh, yeah, you better bat down like the 20, Yeah, it's like, okay, maybe we need to skedaddle out of here as well. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and that, that'd be, it's like a canary in a coal mine. Now, they have carbon monoxide. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what kills them because birds are very sensitive. But if your animals, all, all of a sudden everybody's animals have disappeared from an area, yeah, I would leave town real fast. <laughs> Just oh, yeah, absolutely. Know. Um, we didn't know but you know, because uh, nobody really talked about it until after the earthquake. Um, but right. that was interesting. Anyway, so, yeah, so this hood flew up and, uh, you know, so uh, just you know, the willpower, survival. You just do it. But uh, have you ever heard a story like that? Or, or have you ever had a premonition about how to save um, your life, and then, and then 30 seconds later you have to do it? <laughs> have you done no, it? I have not. I've heard stories about that, so it's, I think it's pretty fascinating. But uh, I have not personally had that. I've had, like, a gut feeling about things or something like that. But I know mm-hmm. just, like, if I have a strong gut feeling, I'll avoid a situation. But I always also have bad anxiety, so sometimes I'm like, is this a gut feeling or is this anxiety? Oh. I'm not sure. Which one it is, so sometimes uh-huh. I just have to, you know, huh, take it, take it that way. But yeah, I know that a lot of people 
probably should pay more attention to those intuitions because I think, you know, our body kind of knows things sometimes that we maybe subconsciously are not picking up on and, hey, something's something's amiss here. Especially like as women, sometimes when you're out and about and safety is more of an issue clearly for women than men and, and you have to be a little more vigilant, sometimes we don't pay attention and all of a sudden you're like, oh. And then that's happened to me before where I was mm-hmm. out and about and I just got a weird, eh, funny feeling and I look around and it could have been nothing, but still I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to exit the area. I'm going to park. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? See, that's, this is what you can learn from the animals because they would be, that's all they do. They're always looking around. They're always conscious. They're always Exactly. They're always very vigilant about, and, and paying you attention. You know, what if. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, birds. You never see their heads stop swiveling or uh, various animals. They're always looking around. You know, the the reptiles are always tasting the air. So there's a lot we can learn uh, in terms mm-hmm. of situational awareness, you know, and uh, use your gut instincts and your spiritual side. And I think that's a, yes, especially, absolutely. you know, uh, and this applies to men too, relationships. <laughs> you know, if, if you get this, this bad feeling, this gut feeling that you have nothing to explain, it's like your body's saying, hey, move on. Yeah, this pay attention to the red flags. It's not a, it's not a you know, a guide for you, it's saying, oh, maybe not, maybe not. Can you see animals, uh, if you put two animals together, can you tell immediately if they're not going to get along just because there's a conflict no. of some kind? Okay. <laughs> no. Um, so oh. generally we can tell, we can tell if they're going to hate each other right off a lot of times, but oftentimes they may appear fine at first and then later have an issue with each other. So mm-hmm. it, it, we can't always tell right away. We can kind of get a general basis just based on, say one dog's behavior, like if it's a male dog and he's kind of dominant, we, we kind of know, okay, we're probably going to need to pair him with a female or a submissive dog so that he can kind of be the boss and take lead and no one's going to challenge him and it's going to be a more peaceful, um, you know, friendship. So things like that, mm-hmm. is, you know, we look at those types of things. Sometimes, though, two dogs can start off great and then decide later they don't like each other. But I think it's, you know, we have to remember just like with humans, sometimes there are people you meet and you just don't like them. It's going to mm-hmm. be the same for pets. Sometimes it can be a great dog. He just meet a, may meet another dog who just doesn't like his energy, and he's just not going to like him. And, you know, as long as they're not trying to harm each other, that's okay. They don't have to, they don't have to always like each other. But, mm-hmm. you know, just something to think about when you're getting an additional pet. You want to make sure whatever your dog's behavior is or your, their temperament, you kind of need to find something that kind of jives well with that so it's an easier transition. Because it's really difficult when dogs don't get along in the house and you're always worrying about them fighting and things like that. I have that situation myself now, and it's, it's a slow process getting them reintegrated once they have a big blowout. So, you know, it's much easier if they all get along. Yeah, sure is. That goes for people, families, all kinds of different oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Huh, interesting. All right, uh, we are racing through our time here, which I just looked at. Oh, my God, I can't believe it's that. Oh, yeah, we are. Uh, Well, you're you're fun to talk to. So this is, and and, and folks, we didn't plan this conversation. We did not, you know, say, hey, what do you say we talk about resource guarding and uh, animal spirituality (laughs) today? It doesn't happen that way. This is is purely spontaneous. Well, let's let's get about, let's talk about the critters and what's going on at the shelter, and then you can uh, give the shelter information before we're done. Yeah, yeah, so this weekend we are um, the Friends of Santa Rosa Group, which is a 501 nonprofit that supports our shelter. They are having a doggy 3K. It's called Who Let the Dogs Walk. It's going to be at Baghdad Mill Park over here in Milton. And it's a beautiful park, so it's a great time to go. Yeah. 
That's right. And normally you can't take pets to this park, so it's a really great time to take a dog and go on a beautiful walk. It's just gorgeous scenery. We're going to have some, or they are going to have some vendors there. Um, we're going to, the shelter is going to take a couple adoptable dogs. So if you're looking to meet somebody, you can always come up and, you know, possibly meet a, a new friend here as well. If you don't have a pet of your own, but you would like to participate, you can come to the shelter before, pick up a dog and do a doggy day out. That's when basically you come in, you check out a dog for a little bit, and so you could check them out for the walk, bring them over to the park, go on a little nature walk with them, and then check them back into the shelter afterwards. So it'll be a fun time. It's a great time to get out with your pet. Um, all they're doing is just asking for donations, so it's not even going to cost anyone anything. They just um, ask if you have, you know, you can donate a little, donate to the cause, but I think it's a great time to kind of get out and about, meet some friends, meet some pets, and, you know, just enjoy the afternoon. And it's from 4 to 7, so it'll be a little cooler. So I think it's going to be a great time for the shelter pets that do get to go and as well as the community. Yeah. You should probably give the uh, the day, date, and time again because I was going, who let the dogs oh, out? yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's going to be tomorrow from 4 till 7 at Baghdad Mill Park in Milton, Florida. And if you go to the Friends of Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter uh, Facebook page, they have all the information there. And i we should have it on our Facebook page as well. But just uh, show up. If you can. If you go online, you can register ahead of time. If not, I'm sure they'll let you register when you come that day. And you can show up at 4. You can show up at 4.30 too if you don't want to start, you know, you're running late from work or whatever. You don't have to show up right at 4 because it's a kind of walk at your own pace thing. So you don't have to, you know, worry about if you're not right on time. Just come on up and enjoy the afternoon. Now you remember our little chat about... Uh... What I was thinking of, of, of like borrowing a dog to walk through a park to uh, uh, meet single women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she's already laughing. I didn't have to finish what I was saying. Was, Tara, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, you know, if I could like borrow a dog for a couple hours and go to a park, you know, just, just to see what happens. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I really I, think that we should, yeah, we should have a, some sort of a mingle sometime where if you're single, you come in, you check out a dog, and we'll just have everybody walk them together and maybe people hit it off or something. I don't know. I think that's that might be a good fundraiser for someone. So we'll, we'll, we'll look further into that for sure. Call it the single dog mingle. Well, yeah, absolutely. That. Single and the dog get out, mingle. So there we go. <laughs> it's a win for the people you know who get out and about. They're doing something good for the pets. The pets are having fun, and maybe they meet a new friend. Who knows? What is call it the single mingle? No, we got yeah, to we got yeah. a dog in there too. Okay, well, we'll figure something out. I just think it'd be hysterical. Um, <laughs> you just probably have you there with a videotape, just because nobody would believe. Because you know, <laughs> do you ever find that in your life you wish you had a videotape? Because uh, at least in my life, things I, I know you find this hard to believe, but crazy things happen to me like all the yeah, time. Really? <laughs> God, it's, it's somehow, I, somehow I I find that shocking. Not really, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, because all the things that you know you think I talk about on the air, I actually do. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, I'd wear a mask that said placebo, you know, just because, just because. Um, mm -hmm. any, any particular critters, uh, dogs, cats, fish, birds, anything, uh, are we feature, who are we featuring this week? Um, did I talk about, I think I may have talked about Sophie last week already, the, our senior gal that we have in the office. So, uh -huh. um, so we'll one of our other favorites, we have a little gal named Jahara. So she is like a little short, squatty, we call them pocket pitties because she's like real short and stout and looks like she's a weightlifter or something. She's got kind of a... <laughs> 
a bum leg. I think it may have oh, been a birth oh. a birth defect, so one of her, her little paws are a little shorter. But doesn't phase her. She does very well. Uh, we haven't really tested her in depth with other dogs yet, so she might have to be an only pet. But she is mm-hmm. adorable, and she's just a little powerhouse. And people who like that look of, you know, the the little tank dogs, like, she is so cute, very friendly, very exuberant. She probably needs to lose a little weight. She's a little chunky, but um, great personality, big personality. I don't know that she would be good with kids because she's very, she'll knock them down. So we're suggesting probably teenagers or up would be better suited for her. But she's a beautiful little dog, and when you first see her, you're like, whoa, she's a little intimidating looking, but she's just a big love bug. So we're hoping that the right family will come along for her because I think she's just, you know, bored as heck in the shelter. So we would love to get her out of here. And then as far as cats, we have, I'm trying to think, Bayou, one of our old guys got adopted. So we have a lot of kittens right now, a lot of new faces, several Uh kittens. So if you're looking to adopt a cat or kitten, yes, come on down. I think our adoption area is full of kitty cats. So great time to come in. And then, of course, anything that's adopted from the shelter for cats, $10. It's going to come with spay or neuter, microchipping, age-appropriate vaccinations, and the dogs are 25 Same thing comes with spay or neuter, microchip, age-appropriate vaccinations. So it's a great deal. That way, instead of paying a big fee for the adoption, you can use that towards getting them established at your vet. So it's a win-win for you and for your pocketbook. Wow. Yeah, I'm doing sound effects in the background. Wow. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually heard my echo in the background there. Yeah, we used to. I, I remember doing that at work. We'd have like you know, uh, cat sound fights. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> and, and the boss like, "What are you doing?" So we're, we're we're having a cat fight, like a real one. <laughs> Stop that! <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, we have All those right, for real here. Sometimes. <laughs> do you guys do that too? Do you do like you know, dog and cat, you know, barking impressions and competition stuff? Who's the best? Oh yeah, well we're bad about if um, we we kind of make human human uh, dialogue for the animals here. So that's kind of, I think, I don't know, probably a lot of people do that, but we do that a lot here, like, you know, make little voices for them. And if you if they were oh. human, what kind of voice they would have, things like that. So, Huh. Would that be anthropomorphism, if I can drop a word, too? <laughs> um, I don't know. But, okay. uh, you know, some of our dogs were like, yeah, they would have an English accent, or this dog would have like a, you know, just a real country accent and let's say howdy ma'am and things like that. So we, we kind of have fun with that. I do that a lot with well, my you own know dogs at home, so they probably you, you hate me for need, it. But. You know what you need to do now? In fact, I would I would be glad to help you with this. You need to make a video of the dogs, like two dogs looking at each other, and you and I do a conversation, you know, <laughs> of the dogs. And just and we'll just add the dialogue to uh, uh-huh. uh, to the dogs as they're speaking. Uh, in fact, there was a, a famous Woody Allen movie called What's Up, Tiger Lily? where he takes mm-hmm. uh, a Japanese James Bond really bad film and adds uh, you know, English dialogue to it as they go find the great egg salad recipe. And it's hysterical. Um, but, yeah, so we, we could we'll actually have the... the oh, yeah, we could, have, we could totally do that. That yeah. would be fun. Yeah. Did you ever see the cow video, The Singing Cows? Oh, no, I've not seen that. Oh, it's black and white. Look up, look up, do go to YouTube after after we're done here and look up the singing cows. And this it's like a country and western cow, like walking beside a fence and singing "Dumbuddy, the Dumbuddy." You know, it's it's, it's really. Oh, cool. okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I gotta find that. Okay, so before Derek gets here, let's get the uh, contact information and we're done. Wow. Okay, absolutely. So um, Santa Rosa County Animal Services. 
4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. Our phone number is 850-983-4680. You can go to our website at santarosa.fl.gov slash animals. Uh, you can also check out our Facebook page, and our hours are Monday through Friday, 1130 till 430. Also, Wednesdays we're here till 630, and Saturdays 10 till 330. That sounds good. Well, no Derek yet, but he'll be here in a second. So Facebook, uh, websites, anything else you can think of? Yeah, Facebook is a great, um, you know, if you if you want to see all the animals we have available, check out our website. If you just want mm-hmm. to see just little kind of what's going on here and there, little things we have going at the shelter, then Facebook is fun because we try to post things every couple of days on there, maybe activities that are going on or little special pictures of dogs or cats that come through. Or if we have an event, we just had the Girl Scouts, or the, excuse me, the scout troops uh, come and do a renovation for our play yard a couple weeks ago. So we've got some pictures of that up there, and they did an amazing job. So just little things like that we try to put on our Facebook to keep everyone updated of the events at the shelter. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, if you have anything else, like I say, I don't want to start on a big topic because Derek's going to, as soon as we do, Derek will call. It's <laughs> time for our financial report. Right, exactly. But uh, anything, we probably have a minute for anything else that might be uh, um, going on there. I don't know. How about, oh, no, there he is. Okay, so timed it perfectly. We're okay. good. Yeah, I'll see you next week. Okay, thanks. Have a great weekend. And don't forget the Doggy 3K on Saturday, everybody. Doggy 3K. That sounds like a race, actually. I thought you guys would be like, yeah. like you know. Do you ever do slow. that? No, it's a leisurely race. Oh, I can do that. All right. <laughs> thanks, Tara. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities. And then there are the markets. Oil. Gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government? To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park, our Action Radio financial reporter, joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. Well, we've just been talking about uh, animals, so it seems appropriate with, with bull and bear markets out there to continue our, our dog and cat theme. <laughs> Do they have dogs and cats in the market? Is there a, is a, do you ever have a dog market or a cat market, or is it just bulls and bears? Ooh, I, I've never heard of a dog or cat market, but you I know, haven't bulls I and bears. Is... Well, <laughs> talking to Tara, yeah. And they got this 3K uh, walk. Uh, they're doing like a pet walk in Baghdad, so I don't know if you have critters you want to join yeah. in. Um, but uh, we were joking about uh, for a single guy's to go, uh, you know, rent a dog and go through a park and just meet women. <laughs> I gotta try that sometime. Yeah, see if that works out. I saw uh, the movie once. I have, it, it I have up. cats. They don't, they don't, they don't walk real well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see you as a cat person. You know, independent and, and uh, you know, I, don't, yeah. I, I have mixed feelings. I think dogs should be working. So if I had a dog, it would be, you know, guarding the action radio compound when I get one. <laughs> so, but until then, I don't know. Yeah. I, All right. So you know, I like dogs. I like uh-huh. dogs as well, but, uh, yeah. you know, dogs is like if you're, you know, me and my, my family, we're active and we spend a lot of time traveling. When you have right. a dog, that makes it a little difficult. You know, I mean, if we weren't doing things like that, then sure, I would say, yeah, you know, dogs are great. But, you know, cats, you know, they can be self-sufficient for days at a time. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, you put enough food out and they don't uh, scarf it all down immediately and, you know, the, the litter box. Oh, I have one that does. We have to. We have to watch it, you know. <laughs> it's oh, a little you have a fat cat? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we do. <funny. laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, if you ever so want to, like, if you want to, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, it's it's like almost twice the size of the other one. Uh, we bought <gasps> you know two sisters of a of a litter, and uh, uh-huh. you know one of them is you know athletic and cat like, and the other one is just this d- Garfield. <laughs> oh my goodness, she's, that's she's hysterical! Kind of like Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about what it is. Yeah. Interesting. Well, if you ever wanted to call in five minutes early and talk to Tara about uh, your critters or anything, I mean, feel free. That's, that's part of the resource here is the fact that we have so many reporters covering so many different areas. Um, and I, I always encourage other reporters to call in just because there is so much. I mean, I get it all. My, I get to ask everybody everything I want. It's really quite fascinating. But uh, feel free. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Let's, if, if I can, I probably could have today. But, uh, you know, I had a had a work issue that popped up a little early that I had to get started on. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm just glad for the, for the time I do have with you here for, for our economic talk because you're, you're our only person that I can really talk finance, economics, and that kind of stuff with. Um, so what's going on? Right. I just heard oil, oil prices are going up. Any, any big news? And then we can get to uh, the report maybe a little earlier this week. But the big news seems to be oil price, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so oil oil is on the rise right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this still could be the effects of, you know, the OPEC cuts. Um, you know, I know the, the current administration has had some, some pipeline cuts um, that are coming to Alaska, which is a little surprising going into the, the presidential election. Um, you know, there was some oh, talk wow. that they were going to start getting a little – starting getting a little soft, you know, to allow – uh, oil to kind of come back down, you know, to, to, to give them a little padding, but, uh, they don't seem to be doing that. Maybe they're going to wait till later in the year. I'm not, I'm not real sure. Um, that's all speculation anyway, but, uh, you know, the bottom line is, is it's going to put more pressure on inflation. Um, you know, if the cost of transportation of goods and services goes up, um, you know, goods and services can't necessarily come down as quick. So, um, you know, it's definitely uh, can be ping, can be long term and problematic. Hmm. I think we might want to separate um, supply and demand price increases from, say, inflation, because I know we, we do what a lot of other places don't do is really make the distinction that inflation is caused by an increase in the money supply. We're inflating the dollar. We're not inflating the price. The prices go up and right. down, but they don't inflate or deflate because it's not a commodity. It's not a volume. A situation like money is the supply of money really is volume measure, and so inflation deflation makes a lot of sense for there. But prices are not; they're on a, they're like a thermometer; they're on a scale. They go up and down. Yeah. And so when we're talking about oil, uh, first of all, why would the government have even control of the pipeline? Isn't that a private pipeline? I mean, the government built it, as far as I know. But isn't the flow in that pipeline up to the oil companies, or no? I mean, I could be mistaken on this. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, I, I, from Alaska, understand it, that, um, you know, uh, uh, the pipelines, uh, there's no refineries in Alaska. So the pipelines all go to ships, um, you know, and everything is shipped out. What is needed is sent Mm -hmm. to, you know, refineries in California and in Washington and then shipped back to Alaska. So Alaska, even though they produce most of the oil or a large portion of it, they experience high gas prices. That's insane. <laughs> you think they have like a little spigot, you know, have, have like the Alaska yeah. spigot, you know, somewhere along the pipe. Now, I've seen the Alaska pipeline. I, I took my daughter to Alaska uh, right before the 2008 crash. So we're actually there, I think, in either July or August. And then September, I think everything kind of, you know, cataclysmically fell. Well, I think we got back like the week before everything just collapsed, which is a good timing on our parts, but right. we didn't know. Anyway, the Alaska pipeline is huge. I mean, it's like 10 feet mm-hmm. across. I mean, it's massive. 
and it's warm too. I mean, their oil is not. You know, this is why the caribou hang out there in the wintertime because it's, you know it's like it's like a, it's like a radiator, hundred degrees. <laughs> but if I'm not yeah, mistaken. but it, how much? No, it wasn't hot. I could touch it. Uh, it was warm, but it wasn't hot. Yeah. At least well, hundred degrees isn't going to burn you. Yeah. No, but I don't it remember it being that hot. It didn't seem. I just saw a thing on it. Uh, uh, one oh, of these little, little okay. you know, TikTok videos that shows uh, the pipeline. Um, you know, like half of it is under the ground, the other half of it is exposed. Right. Um, you know, and and I think the temperatures, as the as the guy said in the video, range between ninety six and one hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, well, it could be. I mean, it was and nighttime to, when I was there, so it was probably. Yeah. 80, 85 degrees where I was. So the temp- up to 100 yeah. degrees wouldn't have felt that much warmer then. So that makes sense. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, um, but if it's not gov- – if it's – because I know the, the, the oil leases on federal land, most of which are, are they, you know, they give to the oil companies and say, here, here's your lease. Of course, there's nothing there. <laughs> the the yeah. Brandon Insurrection gives oil leases to oil companies where there is no oil and then says they're not using their oil leases. You know, it's kind of a weird right. little twist there. But how can does the government be an interesting question whether the government actually physically restricts the flow? Because to me, that's commerce. That's just that's uh, I mean, Alaska might be able to do that for reasons of protecting their state. But um, and that doesn't make sense. And how did Alaska negotiate a pipeline where they couldn't take the oil directly to their own refinery? That that was just stupid. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know that either. Um, you know, I know in yeah. an article that I saw that uh, uh-huh. they were cutting. They were cutting the leases, um, you know, up there in Alaska, you know, to to limit production. Uh, they were mm-hmm. already approved by the by the Native Americans. Huh. Interesting. So, so yeah. they're 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 staying hard on oil, um, right. you know, as as per their word, um, you know, but they're doing it at the cost of the American economy. Um, you know, I mean, and you know, statistics. Um, you know, I mean, if if you go back, like there's there's a there's a statistic that says uh, every you know every Republican, um, you know, since the market has seen has seen a recession, you know what I mean. But but you know, I would argue that you have to look at what policies led to those. You know. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, and again, price and supply and demand recession versus an inflation recession. You know, and they can right. combine. You can have both. In fact, I'm, I'm sure the inflation yeah. recession directly impacts price, but you can have price impacted directly by supply and demand. So if they're cutting the supply of oil. Yeah. So here's the situation as I see it. You've got the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is pretty much gone or there's so little left. It's not going to you know, affect the price. That was dangerously stupid because that was for basically nuclear war. Uh, if all else failed or, or some massive EMP or some you know, huge disaster, either man-made or, or you know, natural. That's what the strategic petroleum reserve was for. And they got rid of that simply to moderate the price for the 2022 election. So that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Second problem is these people are, yeah. are wackos. They don't want any drilling on, on uh, federal land, uh, although we proved that that land is actually state land. It's not federal at all because the federal government, per the Constitution, can't hold anything uh, except uh, land under arsenals, dockyards, useful buildings in Washington, D.C. So all that federal land out west is actually state land, but they haven't claimed it because they're stupid. So that's another problem. Yeah. Uh, and the third is yeah. pipelines. Now, why doesn't the uh, the Alaska pipeline connect directly to the Keystone pipeline and go straight to Texas? Wouldn't that make sense? Why, well, uh, geez, wheeze. you know, <laughs> that would make too much sense. That'd probably cut down the cost of things. Yeah, because oil, there's no transportation costs in a pipeline. Yes, you have to build the pipeline, but is there a is there a report out there about the difference in cost? I know there's a safety factor increase. Two pipelines are the safest way to transport anything, even though 
obviously nothing's perfect. They, they still have problems. But can pipeline, pipelines compared to trains or trucks? You know, pipelines don't derail. They don't blow tires. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they, they carry a lot of stuff. You know, for, for yeah. you know, per barrel of oil carried by pipeline compared to trains and trucks, the pipeline is infinitely safer and faster. No traffic lights. Yeah, yeah. No, no train crossings. No speed limits. Totally, I mean, totally, is... totally agree. You know, yeah. but uh, I'm sure there's plenty of studies on it. Um, you know, however, you know, mm-hmm. are they taken into account? There's plenty of studies on, on everything. You know what I mean? There's there's studies on, you know, how bad the economy is right now, where it's gone, and you know, uh, hmm. people will still believe that, you know, it it was great decisions to to run up the national debt and another, you know, seven eight trillion dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. well, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get our bill out there. In fact, I'm trying to. Uh, uh, you know, the big ideas, of course, is I'm trying to set up a, a debate between, uh, well, not a debate, but like a discussion with uh, Donald Trump and uh, Robert Kennedy on, on Tucker Carlson's show. Ever since I had the author of, of Tucker, the biographer, was on the show, mm-hmm. and the other idea is to yeah. uh, get on, on his show and Tucker show and actually write a bill on the air and send it to Congress. But one of the first things mm-hmm. I tell him. You know, if I get the chance to do this, which I hope I do, uh, is our constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. That would solve yeah. so many problems. You know, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and you're the one who told me, you know, 30, 40 years, once the – instead of rolling over the treasuries, they just pay them off because they can't pay yeah. more money. That would be huge. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, not, yeah. uh, uh, a lot of this stuff stuff makes too much sense. <laughs> you know, it just, uh, well, that's what we talk about it, too. It, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're gonna say? No, 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 no. It's just okay. you know, for me, some of this stuff is just you know why you know what I mean. It's just uh, you, you know, at what point you know do we just kind of throw in the towel and say, hey, you know, this, this these processes are not working for us as a mm-hmm. as a as a you know as a country, um, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just uh, you know, you, you you look at it and just I, do they want the U.S. to continue to have one of the biggest economies in the in the world if they want that no. to happen no they need don't to, need to get under well right what i'm saying is a, is a comparison you know this needs to get under control if not you know what i mean and and you know they want to you know concede and kind of fall into the back you know i mean uh um yeah just keep doing what you're doing it'll it'll happen <laughs> well and you know what you're talking about is exactly why i created action radio because the solutions yeah. are so simple in fact they're even more simple than i thought when i went into this i'm thinking you know writing legislation is going to be complex. We're going to have to get, uh, you know, all these lawyers and get opinions and different things like that. And then I started looking at the actual law. Uh, hell, I can write this. This isn't a big deal, you know, and I started doing it. And all of a sudden, things like, you know, constitutional amendment, 10 lines, 10 words, you know, take out uh, from the Constitution, Congress, you know, basically say Congress shall not have the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. That solves yeah. inflation forever or until they amend the Constitution. You know, so the, the, the yeah. changes are not that big. It's the willpower to change it. And also the disguise, you know, the, the, the world has, you know, the economists build up this image that only economists can understand the economy. Well, that's a bunch of nonsense. We talk about the economy all the time. I don't have a Ph.D. in economics. Do you? You know? No, not at all. And, yet, and I, think, I think our analysis is as good or better than most of the, the Ph.D.s out there. Certainly our explanations. You know, well, so I mean, I've, I've had, you know, I've had people that, that uh, you, you know, they, they have no understanding of the economy, you mm-hmm. know, but assume that they do because of what the news tells them, you know, <laughs> so they're like, well, this and this and this. No, I mean, they'll, they'll argue with me over it. And I'm like, really? OK, so so let me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and knowing instance? my role and I'm like, 
you know, uh, okay, I, I'm not going to assume that I'm that I'm immediately smarter than you because of what I do. But if you're if you're not able to to understand some of these statistics, I try to point them out to them. You know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to argue with you, but here is some 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 data for you to look at. Oh well, well, the news says that. No, 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 no. Go look at the data yourself and formulate your own opinion. You know, it's like make you know you you know you have to make these these assumptions based on the data, right? And I'm like, and if you look at it, it should spell it out for you, right? Yeah. You know, well, well, no, and I mean they'll they'll continue and argue in the point they'll die on the hill, and I'm just like, okay, you know, like obviously you don't understand this, um, you know, like you think you do, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's uh you know and and I would say some of this stuff is is not necessarily an easy answer. It is a little bit more complex, but the, you know the bottom line is is like you know national debt is an issue. Mm-hmm. The cost of oil, considering considering our reliance upon it at this point, is an issue. Um, mm-hmm. It drives our transportation costs because that's how we move stuff around. So you know therefore it is an issue. Um, you know, it, it's inflation is going to remain persistent. The, the demand is going to remain persistent if we can't fill the demand. So, I mean, it's just kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy of things that are just going to work, you know, continue to work and, and work against us if there's not solutions made. You know, it's interesting. You uh, and this is something I think is in common with all, all the folks at Action Radio, all the reporters. Uh, you don't mind taking a look at things independently and coming to your own judgment and thinking about your own, your, your own judgment and decisions. Uh, that's why you're on. <laughs> you know, and that's why anybody's on the show is because you, mm-hmm. you don't just look at the news uh, and, and accept what everybody else says. You're willing to go in and go, well, you know, let's see if this makes sense or not. I mean, the whole basis of the show is logic and reason. And for those that are new to the show, uh, I ask a lot of questions and Derek says, you know, I don't know. That's not a problem. Okay. A lot of times the questions we ask here, ask here cannot be answered right away. Uh, they may take study. They may reveal themselves six months to a year later. They may never reveal themselves. It might be a human nature right. question where the answer is these people are just idiots and they, you know, they're, or they hate this country or things like that. But not knowing the answer to a question is never a problem for me. Uh, not trying to analyze it is the problem. And I mean, I don't, I, I want to take a yeah. look at the question, even if, there's no way that we can possibly answer it because sometimes a lot of times the value is in asking the question itself because in asking a question that can't be answered, there's a lot of intrinsic value to, to uh, doing the inquiry. And you may learn things from the inquiry that you never would have thought of if you hadn't asked the question. And so that's why answering a question on, on here, you know, even if you have to go away and come back next week, that's not a problem. In fact, that's, that's just yeah. as valid as, as telling me, you know, the, if you have like a statistical thing, you can just rattle off. But it's valid to me to say, I don't know. So, okay, well, let's take a look at this. Now I'm interested. Okay, I'm actually more interested right. in things that you don't know uh, than the things that you can tell me right away simply because it's like it's a challenge. But the other point I want to make is that uh, the other axiom of Action Radio uh, is that assumptions are stronger than truth. People will go to the grave with their assumptions, even when faced with the truth. You know, oh, yeah, I can have, yeah, uh, yeah, that is so true. It's, it's <laughs> you know, there's, there, there's people that, that, you know, rather than, than admit they're wrong, you know what I mean? We'll continue to argue a point they know to not be right, and and it's and it's 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 sickening almost. You know what I mean? That that you know, listen, I might not always be right, and 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 yeah. and that's a a, qual, a good quality that I think I have is okay. If I'm wrong, I'll admit that I'm wrong. I'll go back. I'll do the research, and and you know I'll I'll submit. You know what I mean? Like I I think that's the right thing to do if if you've been proven wrong, but if yeah. you're if you're not willing to accept the data, you know what I mean? You you put this data in front of somebody and you show them that what they believe is wrong, 
mm-hmm. you know, they, they'll look for something else to prove that they weren't necessarily wrong. Well, mm-hmm. I was looking at it like that. You know what I mean? And they'll just admit you were wrong. You know what I mean? That's like that. That's the easy. Right. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I think our access to data where we are as a culture has created this monster. You know, people that just assume, assume, you know, hey, well, I found some information and, you know, I mean, there's just, you, you know, there's too much information out there. You know what I mean? And it's like they're, they're trying to sift through what's what's right and what's wrong. You know right. what I mean? It, I think personally it's becoming hard in some ways. I mean, unless it's stuff that they have standardized formats and things like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, if you're if you're looking at certain measures and certain things and, and people can, you know, perceive it different. Well, you know, I that's the whole thing with, you know, well, this is my truth. You know, it's not mm-hmm. your truth. There's, there's like only one truth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is your there's, truth. There's, yeah. <laughs> right. There's facts it's not like fiction, cards you know what I mean? And, dealt. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, so it's it's uh, you know, I think, you, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say, what, 20 years ago, there was no such thing as your truth, you know, because the the, the Internet hadn't necessarily exploded. Well, let's say 25 years ago, you know, okay. the Internet hasn't exploded at that point. You know what I mean? People were still having to pull out encyclopedias at that point. You mm-hmm. know, it was, uh, you know, we, we got to go dig out information, you know. So, um, you know, the, the, the spawn of the Internet circa 1995, 97, well, that's not the spawn, really. It was before that, but the explosion of it was right about then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where where it just kind of started taking off home computers and stuff like that. You know, I mean, up until that point, I would tell you, even you know, up until my last few years in high school, like we were having to read books and resource and you know, cite your cite your work and you know, now all this stuff. So you're is like just, the bridge. Oh my gosh, yeah, you can pull. You're a high tech bridge between the the world of books and and libraries and the Dewey Decimal System and computers oh, and yeah. information yeah. and cell phones. Oh, so we were really talking interesting. That. Catalog, you know what I mean? Like, my God, yeah. go to the library and and here's how you go through this this massive filing system to find a book in a in a in a reference. You know, what I mean, it was just a, you know, I mean that 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 is really my my era. We were we were hmm. in the transition of that, and um, yeah, you know, it's it's. It, you know, it has been grasped. I, I absolutely love technology. You know what I mean? I, I love what it's done for us, uh, mm-hmm. but it also comes with its costs. You know, I mean, it comes it comes with our costs where people have access to information at their fingertips, you know, that, that um, you know, may or may not be correct, you know, because they, uh, you know, you got you, you got everybody that just throws what they want on there. And, you know, if it, if it gains steam, then guess what? This is now something that people will hold as true. Yes, the truth that they want. It's it's not objective truth. It's it's truth. It's like by popularity. It's like truth is not part of a. You know, there's no democracy of truth. You can't vote the truth in. Either there is or it isn't. It's one of those infinitives. You know, it's the difference between uh, like a democracy and a republic. Or in democracy, whatever everybody votes for is okay, right? Even if it's a lynch mob, well, yeah. that's majority rule, right? As opposed to a trial by jury with evidence and constitutional rights, that's a republic. Huge differences. Well, yeah. we, we only have about seven minutes left. I actually have uh, Mr. Science, uh, Mike Lynch, is coming here a little bit. We're going to talk about atmospheric stuff uh, in just a few minutes. Friday, this is a, this is going to be a good Friday. I wish Mike would, would come on every week, but we'll we'll work on that. But uh, let's get the report yeah. and uh, anything else we can okay. delve into in the time we have. Yeah. And I'm going to say page good. two. Good morning, everybody. Give me a chance this to is, say page two. Give me, give me, give me oh, a chance okay. to say page two. That's why. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Start I got over. you. No, no, no. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Derek with uh, the Action Radio Financial Report. Stocks finished mostly lower. Equity markets closed lower on Thursday as concerns that China may broaden its ban on Apple iPhone products 
weight on the technology shares today. The technology-heavy NASDAQ lagged the broader S&P 500 and Dow Jones indexes. Meanwhile, Treasury yields took a breather from recent higher move higher, with both the 10-year and 2-year yields inching lower on Thursday, as investors also digested better-than-expected productivity figures for the second quarter. Thus far, volatility in September has been elevated, with the VIX volatility index up about 7% and the S&P 500, S&P 500 down about 1.5, 1.3% to date. There you go. Go ahead. Page oh, two. And now, page two, <laughs> Paul Harvey for the Action Radio Report. <laughs> Sorry. The U.S. equities closed lower uh, with the Dow Jones down 58 points or 0.17 to 34.501. NASDAQ closed down 124 points, down 0.89 to 13.749. S&P 500 closed down 14 points or 0.32 to 44.51. And the 10-year Treasury yield is trading at 4.25%, down by 0.05. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil was down 54 cents or 0.62 to $87, and the price of gold was down 0. 0.770 uh, to, I'm sorry, uh, down 70 cents to 0. 0.04 to 1443.50. This is Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report, and you can get me at 850-995-0082. Yeah, I don't think I'll do that page two thing. It's too distracting. I don't want to take away from your report. Um, did you say gold was 1443? It used to be like 19-something. 1943. Okay, guys, I just want to make sure of that. Okay, people, yeah. I don't, I don't oh, yeah. people think gold lost $500 while we weren't looking. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'd be a buyer. <laughs> I'd yeah, be a buyer. exactly. Yeah, that, yeah we just, we, all of a sudden, everybody's buying it. We, it's $1,400. No, it's not. It's nineteen. dollars Uh-oh. <laughs> um, can you I mean, just quickly you know. explain the volatility index again? This is something that fascinates me, probably because I don't understand it yet. Uh, but just, so, like 7%, so the volatility index, um, what it is, is is a measure of you know uh, upcoming volatility for the market. So for example, like right now, um, you know I watch it all the time. The volatility index this morning was up like uh, minus or was up positive one point one point five percent. Now it's down um, you know negative forty nine. So typically, what that means is is that that there is a large amount of sales going on 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 stocks or uh-huh. uh, the the short interest or or um, options against the market going backwards have increased right so they take this against, data and they make a comparison basically saying short interest that the market's going to go down is is okay. is rising does that make sense okay. it does yeah but I wanted to go so, over that just so people understand okay Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, and what this this it, it's called the volatility index. It measures what's what's happening between those two and makes a correlation and says, okay, um, you know, market sentiment is not good right now. So people are betting that the market is going to go down more so than the market is going to go up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's kind That's of a, a negative thermometer. index. I so, I don't so negative yeah, in- I don't call it okay. The volatility index. Personally, I call it the short interest index. Um, that's that's like a better explanation in my mind to it because I understand really how it works. So what happens is is like you know short interest gains on the S and P 500, for example, or any index for that matter. Um, you know, and the options on it start rising. When the options start rising, that means that there's an overwhelming number of people that believe, you know, that the market is going to go down. There's actually 
um, you know, about, I want to say there's like a 17% float on the S&P 500. And those 17% people also believe that there's like a mega crash coming, like 1987, Black Monday. Go Google that, you know, where the market went mm-hmm. down like 26% in one day. Yeah. You know, and, and that actually, that, that instance is the reason we have what are called circuit breakers, right? If, and, and we have circuit breakers now that basically if all of a sudden, you know, there, there's just mass information that says the market's going to tank and everybody takes a run at the market and just starts dumping stuff. If it hits a certain level, they actually just stop it and say, okay, calm down, people. You know what I mean? Like the market's not, not doing what you think it's going to do. Let's go ahead and hit the reset button and let's start over, you know, let's start game day over, right? Um, so the, 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 you know, they had is... like – Computer trades, right? These are massive invest, uh, it, institutional trades it, we're talking about. It is. It, okay. it could be. You know what I mean? It could be institutional. It could be retail. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's just a mass. Like, for example, when COVID was happening, golly, we had circuit breakers going off twice a day. You know what I mean? Wow. It was ridiculous. I mean, oh, man, it was nuts. It was wild, wild west. I mean, a market was down like 13% one day. You know what, what? I mean? And, and then the circuit breaker would hit, and then it'd go down like another 10, you know, and, and you know, then the next day it'd go back up like 13%, you know, because they think the market was going to recover. You know what I mean? It was just, oh, my gosh, it was it was crazy. <laughs> you know, just waking it's, up that morning, I'm just like, what are we doing today? <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah. So I got Bianca on the line. I wanna, I'll bring him on in just a second here. Um, but is yeah. this the last question of this? Is this computer trading where the computers, they're programmed to buy at a certain point, sell at a certain point, and once this starts, like a cascading effect that everybody's computer kicks in and starts selling, and that's what they're really stopping, or are these individual decisions made at the time it's happening? I would say most of the time it's individual decisions. I mean, oh, okay. are they? You know, I mean, you do have you do have robo traders that are doing that, just like you said, right? right? You know, these are things that are designed to find a specific price point, and when it happens, you know what I mean? It it, it just excuse me starts happening automatically. So, okay. um, you know, these circuit breakers were really put in place that when the market starts starts diving, which means people are bailing. You know what I mean? Like the sales uh-huh. are happening. You know, right. and and what a lot of people don't understand, you know, it's not it's not everybody running to the market to sell. If there's people that you, you have to understand when the market, it's a transaction, right? That's why it's called a trade. In order mm-hmm. for there to be a seller, there has to be a buyer, right? Mm-hmm. And they can't, you know, I mean, the circuit breaker is also a, 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 a point to stop that, right? If there's so many people putting in sale orders, right, but there's no buyers, like how are they going to sell it? You know what I mean? Like it's it's just yeah, they can't do it. It's just not gonna happen, right? So, you know, all these people that are just like, Well, I just wanna go ahead and sell everything. Well, okay, well what do you think the people with money that, that have patience are doing? They're waiting to buy those shares from you, you know, at yeah. your loss because you're impatient. You know what I mean? And and that's like I commonly call like market corrections or market pullbacks the the transfer of wealth between impatient people to patient people. <laughs> or I, or I call buying opportunities. That's, <laughs> right, which it's the easiest way to explain it. You know what I mean? Like, like if you don't have patience, the market is probably not for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, you know, I, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday because, you know, a month ago, the market was a little bit better than it was today, for, for example. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, in, in, in her instance, she's like, well, you know what I mean? Am I going to deal with this all the time? And I'm like, absolutely you are. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't, you know, I, That's I where explain you are. this, you know, when, yeah. Yeah, when, 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 we, when, we, when we set this up for you. Um, yeah. You know, but this lady 
had never invested. She inherited some money and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. she listened to her family, you know, because I've worked with her family and helped her family out for the past six years, you know, so she's, she's, she's trusting me, but she needs some education. It's not her fault. You know, it's just, she sees it going up and then she's all euphoric. And then when it goes down, they're like, Oh, you know, I mean, like, shouldn't I sell this? No, you shouldn't sell it. (laughs) No, of course not. Buy more of it. It'll get buy more. Right. It'll go back the other (laughs) direction. Right. Um, you know, do I know when? No, I don't have that crystal ball. You know, but yeah. I do know that if you hold it for this period of time, your return will be between these brackets, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, anyway, you know, it's just a, it, it's, it's a fun metric to work with. But I, I watch the VIX daily. Is the VIX always 100%? I will say no. Um, about 10% of the time, you're going to see the VIX down and the market will be down with it. And that's a little scary because that means that, like, investor sentiment's not good, but there's no volatility. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, and then you'll see the VIX up and the market will be up. You know what I mean? That's another weird metric, you know, where you're just like, okay, it's basically saying people have good sentiment, but the VIX is saying their short interest is rising. You know, so it's, it's so they've got sentiment, uh, it, it's but it's still bidding against the market. That's fascinating. Let's get Pianchi's question because I'm sure you have to go in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Pianchi, what's your question yeah. or comment? Yeah, market halts can happen when the price is going up too, like Greg said, because there's an imbalance. If people see it yeah. falling all of a sudden, then if you, you create the imbalance because nobody buys. So we get, hey, hang on for a second. But mm-hmm. uh, that's a good you got to be patient. Yeah. Hmm. So, is there what's coming out of the, the the Brandon insurrection in terms of economic, you know, policy? Are they trying to regulate the market, stimulate the market, ignore the market? Are they leftists that don't even believe in the market? Uh, you may not have time for this question because you probably have to go. But uh, I'm just curious: are they trying to influence the market at this time? The biggest one was the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. We know about that one. But uh, do they care about inflation? I mean, they're, they're, they're all set to borrow $2 trillion more trillion this year than they're taking in. I, mean, I think these people are complete idiots and dangerous, but are, are they actually trying to influence the market in any way that I don't know about? Ooh. I'm going to say possibly, and reason being is because, you know, I mean, they're, they're also millionaires. So what do you think they're doing? They're investing. Right. You know, so, um, you know, I say possibly because, you, you know, I mean, from an investor standpoint, why not? If you have an ability to create the scenario, why not? Um, well, you, you know, know, it's, it's like, like I, trading, you know, like, like when, when the Congress folks, they invest in something they just heard a hearing on. So they say, oh, guess mm-hmm. what I just learned? And I think, oh, it's not insider trading. I'm in Congress. You know, but I'm wondering, yeah. it's a, and I didn't think about that aspect, but is the government, you know, the, the, the current, <clears throat> dare I say, administration, are they – what kind of economic policy do they have other than green energy and stupid stuff, you know, and limiting the, the pipeline? Is there anything, are they working directly to or against or for or against or, or with uh, the markets? Are they trying to influence in a way to do the benefits government or, or their own philosophy? I mean, this is a big open-ended question. I mean, like I say, we might want to take it up next week. I'm just curious what they're doing because government's huge when it comes yeah. to uh, money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not really sure. You know, that's, that's a, that's a very okay. open-ended question. So, you know, you know what I mean? Could it be possible? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's could I could I ever prove it? Probably not. 
You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's uh, I think what it's what it's called is the Secure Act that protects them from, you know, being sued. But you know the the Republicans are are kind of all over that. They're like, hey, you know, how how a lot of people get around it is they go to these people that do what are called discretionary trading. So that means they don't have to be communicated with, but they can still call and make these decisions. You know, so. Um, you know, it's it's like you got, you know, people like Nancy Pelosi that, you know, on a government salary has became a millionaire 100 times over. Hmm. You know, how is that? Yeah, how is that it wasn't so much. It wasn't so much the insider trading aspect. And maybe this is something. Well, because I'm looking around, I'm trying to think of a policy that specifically is coming out like they, they have policies to give money to Ukraine so they can uh, fund the military industrial complex. They have policies to limit energy so they can they can get us towards wind and solar, which are, are never going to work the way they want. Uh, but I, I don't think there's a specific financial policy that they're trying to, you know, they talk about lowering inflation, but they're increasing it. Because they're spending, you know, they're, they're borrowing money. So there doesn't seem to be anything particular coming out of, of the folks in the White House and the government that is either helping uh, or, spe- well, we know it's hurting it, but there's nothing specifically trying to help the economy at this time. We're going to an election year. I just find that interesting. It's, yeah. You know, again, it's what's not in the news that interests me. And so why mm-hmm. aren't they trying to engineer every, of course, every president, if they could, would engineer the economy. So it's always good during their term. But it doesn't seem like these folks are even trying. They don't care about the economy for some reason. And that to me is, is interesting. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I get that. You know why they don't care, care about the economy because they're not relying upon it like everybody else is. Okay. That's huge. So, so you, you, you yeah. have to, you have to look at it like that. Like the people that have the resources don't feel it like the people that don't, right. you know what I mean? Like, so, so, you know what I mean? People that, that, and, and, and I would also argue that some people manage their finances extremely well. So even though they don't necessarily have the resources, they don't feel it. You know, what you're talking about is, is kind of the, the low, low to, to, to low mid income people, you know what I mean? That, that, you know, live, I don't want to say paycheck to paycheck, but live close to paycheck to paycheck. And when the cost of goods and services go up, it's a kick in the teeth for them, right? Because right. now they got to start, they got to start having the needs versus wants discussions. When you have somebody that makes a quarter million dollars a year, and they've got millions already saved or or you know let's just say they make a quarter million dollars a year in congress you know what i mean their their spouses are typically you know working as well so you're talking about people that are that are well above you know the high income uh gap you know what i mean so they can go out right. and eat for dinner you know what i mean buy whatever they want so you're talking mm-hmm. about people that don't experience the problems like the average American does. So of course they wouldn't, they wouldn't care about it. You know what I mean? And this is, this is why like, you know, our our politicians, you know, are, are not necessarily for us. You know what I mean? Like, like they're, if you had a common person or you paid them a common salary and they had to work a little bit harder, you definitely have people in there that cared about other people like that. You know what I mean? The fact that you pay them a lot of money because we think that they're solving our problems um, is, I think it's counterproductive. Yeah. It's almost like uh, yeah. if there, you get more people in there who, who do it for less money uh, and actually solve the problem. Um, but, uh, yeah, you get these. You know, the other thing, too, is the, is the perks. If you're any kind of policy position, you probably have a, a limousine or at least the, the, head, the head execs do. But they've probably got a transportation subsidy. They've got a health benefit subsidy. Yeah. They've got a pension. They've got a lot of things that they don't have to pay for. They've got probably expense accounts, per diems. And, all, and so even if they do go to a restaurant, they're still not paying. That comes out of their per diem yeah. expenses. yeah. You know, well, they've so also why, got you know, more yeah. money that 
that that was asked for because uh, you know some of the politicians when they go to D.C. you know the cost costs there have risen so they were asking their stipend to be like tripled. You know, so when they go there and they got it, I mean, of course, they they got everything that they ever want, you know, written in yeah. their stuff. Of course, anytime they're going to get any kind of pay increases, they vote that in immediately. God forbid <laughs> they vote something in that's that's going to help the American economy and every other, you know, 350 million Americans. No. Why would that's, we that's do something job. like that? Yeah. Hey, you yeah, have some right. good revelations today. I'll, I'll give you a round of applause for that. <laughs> So, so good, in, good insights. It has been really interesting. Well, Mike's supposed to that be here. Mike Lynch, to he's, 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 uh, what's that now, Chucky? I say, Congress, Congress uh, at the federal level, they, they salary needs to be cut because all the things that you've mentioned, even the per diems, it should be similar to uh, what you have at the state level. Uh, they I don't need all totally. year, and yeah. and and hell, like in Tennessee, they only. Yeah, they business people that that say, look, I'm gonna take the apron off and go do this at the state house. They only make about twenty twenty two thousand, twenty seven thousand a year, except if you're in New York or California. And who wants the rest of the country to become like that? Yeah, right. Yeah, I gotta right. I gotta step out, Greg. So I'll, say, I'll, yeah, uh, I'll let's do that. Yeah, let's see you guys next week. All right, thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Yeah, be careful. Yep. yep. There we go. And if you missed his phone number, it's at the beginning of the report. <laughs> or actually, whatever we gave the uh, uh, the financial stuff. Yeah, because uh, uh, like I say, I was going to expect him to stay that long because we have Mike supposed to call in. Um, and I'm not sure what's up with Mike. So what I'm going to do is I've already texted him a message. We'll see. Uh, I'm trying to get Mr. Science here, but uh, stuff happens sometimes. So well, let me talk to you for a minute, Piaki. Anything that's on, that's on your mind this week? And I've got uh, an article I want to get to probably in the third hour. But uh, this hour we can chat a little bit, and uh, I'll play. I'll take a break and uh, – see what else is up but uh you haven't heard i haven't heard from you for a while so what's been going on what's been on your mind well we have to let you run with it you're doing a good job oh okay well, that's fine. <laughs> as long as you're listening <laughs> yeah all right well in that case uh any, any more financial well, uh, issues sometimes, you want to talk about? sometimes i'm run? up until the wee hours and uh oh <laughs> i take a nap look i say greg's coming on in 15 minutes let me take a nap and go uh, <laughs> over to an hour yeah yeah, good thing we podcast. But you know, uh, uh-huh. all kidding aside, I don't want to disrupt your your thoughts. But the, no, it's all right. that is a problem that needs to be solved. Is the perks and the pay that federal uh, representatives are receiving? It needs to be cut in half. And 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 I don't know. And see, you know, there's always in this country because the way they beat it up, capitalists and corporations don't pay. Then let's expose to the public what they receive and suggest that, look, we're going to cut your pay. We're going to cut your pay in half. And all these other perks, the insider trading, and, and the, like you made mention, the, uh, the, the, uh, your, your income, your social, your social security, yeah, you should be on social security like everybody else. That's a good idea. Well, the your most retirement. Yeah, the most important thing to do with Congress is, is have them uh, um, have to live by the same laws they put on everybody else. There, There is a story yeah, of George. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think we have a bill on that, but I think other people have too, so we don't have to really work on that. Matter of fact, I like to work on that in uh, one of the ideas of uh, Convention of States proposals. You know, a lot of people came forth with the same uh, proposal. This is what we think things should be. This was an idea mm-hmm. I had. And that goes right back to write your own laws. 
But, yeah. but yes, uh, people experience things. They watch. Uh, they know it ain't right based on how they live their life, and they come mm-hmm. up with these proposals, which they're just as legitimate as anyone else. I was at a meeting last night, and there was a gentleman there that was uh, on crutches. Mm-hmm. And and I said to myself, well, yes, he needs to be involved in this also because he lived a life unlike others do, and he mm-hmm. sees things, feels things, has experienced things. So his suggestions and idea is very valued. Yeah, yeah. And my objection to the Convention of States is not the bills and not the ideas. I support what they stand for, you know, in terms of budget and, and costs and single-subject bills and uh, making Congress live up to uh, – you know, what they put on us and, and restricting their salaries. I don't have a problem with any of that. My problem is the, the convention itself, the structure of the convention itself. I think they're, uh, I think they're, they're disillusioned or, or I think they're idealistically um, naive in terms of thinking that, that once they start the process of a convention, that it can be limited to what they want to talk about. That's my problem. And I think we're safer much safer if those issues are dealt with individually. And so this is why you'll never hear me calling for a constitutional convention or a convention of states because they're pretty much the same thing. And that's where I get worried well, about you, it. So, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I understand that. You, you say it because you don't understand it thoroughly. And you should spend more time studying it. What, you think, just, I, don't, uh, you think you I don't understand it? I, I think I understand it completely. I, well, I just disagree. Well, you, you know what, Greg? I'm listening to you. And what uh-huh. I know about it, no, you don't understand it all. Yeah. This is something that uh, this is uh, this is an argument. And I you shouldn't watch. let your arrogance get over you when somebody says it. You don't understand it. Oh yeah. See, I think no. I do. And here's what so here's, here's about uh, Josie says this all the time. How many states does it take to ratify? How many states does it take to ratify? What the con- uh, constitutional amendment uh, is three quarters. And I mean, what number is that? I don't know. I have to get my calculator. What, 38? I mean, that number seems to pop into my head. So you think that 38 states is going to say that we should do away with the Second Amendment? Um, No, but I don't want want that even to be an option if I can avoid it. Politically, it's great. Well, here's here's what I know. Let me tell you. You got mothers. You got in Tennessee right now, you got... Of people talking about doing away with it because uh-huh. uh, with the last trans shooting in the school, well, they just their thoughts is all over the place. Well, they're misinformed. They're, they're thinking that if you get rid of, if you take guns from people who won't use them in a crime, it's going to stop the people who do use them in a crime, and that's irrational. Yeah, they are misinformed. That makes yeah, no and sense. Yeah, I just said that. Now, I don't think mm-hmm. they're misinformed. I think they're just, I think they're just believing lies, you know. And so they're they're very well informed on the lies. They're very well informed on that. But but Josie tells me this all the time, and she'll say, "Greg, you don't understand," and you're saying, "I don't understand." And it's it kind of bugs me actually that the argument if if I disagree, uh, that I don't understand because if I did understand, I'd agree. That's not true. Well, that's, that's not okay. true. It's okay for you. I'm just saying I disagree. I think it's a dangerous way to do it. I think there's a better way to do it to handle these issues separately. Oh, that's okay. Doesn't, but, that's but that doesn't mean fine. I'm not informed. It, I, I, would, I would never yeah. accuse you of being not informed because you support a convention of states. I just think it's wrong. But that no, doesn't mean, it's not. You know, it's, when we say that, we say you don't have all the pieces under okay. all the circumstances together. That's mm. all. But okay. that's okay right. because people are afraid of flying. At one time, yeah. so it's, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> and one thing they teach us, we have to be nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mike just canceled, so we're not going to hear from our Mr. Science today. Well, he, he, I just got a, a message from him. He won't be here, so he's got stuff uh, that came up, which happens. You know, that's that's uh, it's live radio. Yeah, we'll <laughs> you never know. Yeah, we'll get him. Hopefully, we'll get him another week. But uh, yeah, so I, I've got some. I got a little extra time on my hands. Um, I have plenty of articles. I got plenty of things to do. We can have signs. What's that? We can have signs. Okay, what's what's what science do you want to delve into? Let's do our own science. Well, hour. let me ask you a question. Sure. Let me ask you a question. Now we know that our atmosphere around the Earth is protective, cover naturally. And it's a certain thickness. Uh-huh. And we know that the sky is blue because of the water content that's in the atmosphere. Everyone uh-huh. will know that, but uh, that's the reason why. And, and the ocean's bluer because now, the, the, the molecules are closer together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, and they're not moving around as fast. Okay. <laughs> Suppose that the atmosphere was only 10 feet deep. Uh-huh. Okay, picture that. And if there's you no, break be down no pole the step ladder, there's no pole vaulting. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. The first thing I thought. Clean no out of sight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you got on a step ladder, Greg, and you was gonna get to the top of the eave of your roof and remove the leaves, mm-hmm. and your head went up 13 feet, what color would the sky be? Black. There you go. Congrats. Da-da. It'd be the color of space. Right. Yeah, it'd be the color of space. It would I mean, be the color happens. of space. Yes, because that's what happens when you get above the atmosphere. Now, how thick is the atmosphere? Is it like 22 miles? I mean, how many, how many miles thick are we talking about? Do we know? Well, we I hear 20... about, uh, it's, it's more than that because you look at flight level eight, 800. That's 80,000 feet. So, uh, well, I think, the, um, I think the SR-71 and, and like the X-15, uh, I think about it, they top out around 100,000 feet. I think that's about as high as they go. How many miles is that? Let's, let's divide 100,000 by... They were... Um, uh, it's 20 miles. They were about 70. Uh, oh, they were about 70? Uh, uh, no one knows how, uh, how they could go because it's a season. Okay. So 100,000 you know, feet... Divided by 5,280, which is how many feet in a mile, is 19 miles. So basically 20 miles. You're right. Okay. But it's not much above that. It's kind of thin up there at 100,000 feet. Yeah, it gets thinner and it's awful cold. You know, wow. the fact that it's... Uh, Hold it, 30,000 feet. <laughs> oh, you know, it's awful cold. What is about the 65 degrees below. So that kills the conspiracy of chemicals being ejected out of planes and fall down. Let's talk about that. This would be a great topic because I get people, I get intelligent people, uh, logical people, sane people, and they keep talking about chemtrails. It's like, no, this is a myth. This is, you remember we talked about the line, the line between the conspiracy, you know, the wacko conspiracies and reality. The reality is, you know, COVID is a government, you know, plot to, to completely oppress everybody. That's real. We've seen the masks, the mandates, the, the COVID jabs that kill people and everything else. That's real. Chemtrails, the U.S. being a corporation, all our lawyers registered in England, secret treasury accounts, your birth certificate and capital letters. This is all nonsense. 
And so let's talk about chemtrails because this is something that uh, I'm not fascinated by the chemtrail. I'm fascinated by the people that believe in them. Like some kind of, it's almost like a religious cult. It's like, it's, it's identical to the climate change people. Although you can't tell them that, (laughs) you know, you can't tell the climate change people that they're like the chemtrailers. I like the word chemtrailers. And you certainly can't tell the chemtrailers. Oh, well, let's do that. All right. Let's Let's talk about all three of these. All three of these. Yeah. You and I. Okay. This is good. This is, this is fun. All right. Good, good, good idea. Spontaneous action. Okay. Go with the chemtrail. Let's do that first. Do you want mm-hmm. me to start or do you want to start? Should I start or should you? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So for those that uh, aren't, aren't up on the latest, a chemtrail is short for chemical trail. There is a large contingent of people be- that believe that U.S. military airplanes, maybe other nations too, but military aircraft and civilian aircraft have big tanks on board. And they're up there in the atmosphere you know, dumping chemicals like crazy all over the earth to control the weather, to spread disease, to do all kinds of really nasty, horrible things. That's what they believe. And the evidence for that, you know, and I've seen pictures uh, of like big tanks and, and supposedly airplanes, but what it really is, and the evidence that they point to is, look, look at that trail. That, that jet left a white trail up there. Yeah, it certainly did. And those are ice crystals, okay? It's called sublimation. And it's a very simple principle that fuel, Organic fuel, kerosene, jet fuel, whatever you want to call it, same as car fuel, you know, you know, gasoline and diesel, they all, when burned, break down, you know, what, these, are, these are hydrocarbons. So oil uh, is, high, you know, petroleum is hydrocarbon, hydrogen and carbon, okay? And when they get together with oxygen in the carburetor or the fuel injector or the jet engine, um, they burn. And the products that come out are water vapor, H2O, and carbon dioxide, CO2. You can't see the carbon dioxide, but you can see the water vapor because that water vapor comes out the tailpipe of that jet and immediately freezes because the temperature is like 60 below zero. Uh, and since water freezes at uh, 32 degrees, you know, 60 below zero is like 90 degrees cooler. <laughs> okay, so it freezes immediately. It doesn't even turn to water. It goes directly from, from H2O gas, like steam, uh, immediately to water. And in the air, the sun reflects off those ice crystals, and they appear white. And the reason they stay up there a long time is because the upper atmosphere air is different than the air down here. The wind is different. The currents are different. The jet streams are different. The dispersal is different. Everything is different. And so that's, that's what these things are up there. you know another thing, too. How'd I do? That's a good definition, good description for oh, thank you. our young scientists. But you know another <laughs> thing, too, is that the temperatures is like layers in a cake. For uh-huh. instance, we know that uh, people think that the higher up you go, but you can go up cold, up cold, up warmer than it was previous, then up again, it gets cold and cold. So that's because that's the way the uh, jet streams travel. Uh-huh. You may have a jet stream of real cold air uh-huh. in one layer, then you have a jet stream of warmer air in another layer. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And there's different layers to the atmosphere. There's the, uh, uh, the the lower atmosphere. There's I think the tropopause, which is the, the which is the boundary layer. Uh, that's a stable air layer. Then you got the stratosphere, which I think is windy as you know all get out, and that's where the jet streams are. Then you all get to the ionosphere. So there's several different layers of the atmosphere, and these layers are, are like 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 a cake. You know, so the top layer is not going to mix with the bottom layer. These are separate layers of air, and they have different qualities and different characteristics. I'd have to look them up. You know, I don't have it off the top of my head, but they're different. And so in a stable mm-hmm. air, stable air mass, a, a trail of ice crystals is going to stay for a long time because it's not like it's going to melt. 
60 degrees below zero up there or, or, or 100 degrees below and zero, what whatever the temperature is. Greg, Big pardon? What chemicals would they be talking about? I always ask, what chemicals are you talking about? Are you talking about the Jesse Smollett bleach chemicals that was 10 <laughs> below zero in Let's, Chicago that turned the crystals when they threw it on it? Yeah. I think the uh, the ones that they're talking about are chemicals that release uh, the, the cancer and other th- or change weather. I think those are the two big things. So that's what they're talking about, chemicals that, that cause cancer or change weather. Now, the only, chemical, the only thing I know that changes weather is silver, silver nitrate or silver iodide, one of the two. What it does is it uh, promotes the generation of rain. It doesn't guarantee rain, but it, it promotes the generation of rain. Silver nitrate uh, is a chemical that has been dropped. It's called cloud seeding. So in other words, you take a cloud, you drop silver nitrate in it, and, and it forms water droplets more rapidly. And so if it would naturally rain, it's going to rain sooner and it's going to rain harder. So in that respect, that's, that's the only thing. And it but don't cut off when you want it to. <laughs> yeah, once it's out there, it's out there. But those are, but they're not doing that in the upper atmosphere in airline flights. They're doing it at the cloud level, which is more like eight to 10,000 feet because that's where the clouds are. Well, they can go up to 50,000 feet too. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it works. We can look that up, but this would be a good project for next time. But, uh, but that's cloud seeding. That's different. And I don't agree with it, you know, because uh, I, don't, I don't like messing around with the weather. Uh, there's certain things we shouldn't be messing around with. But the idea now, but let's, let's do the physics of an airplane. Okay, You've, people don't understand airplanes. They are very limited in what they can do. They're very thin because they have to be light. So they use aircraft aluminum, and now they're using more carbon fiber. Uh, there's a there's an amazing new class of airplanes coming out next year with the new FAA rule, the Mosaic rule. These are carbon fiber airplanes with Rotax engines, uh, but they're going to go twice as fast as, as today's airplane. So the, your basic four seat hundred knot airplane of today is going to weigh half as much. It's going to have the same 150-horsepower engine, but it'll be Rotax, so it'll use car gas, and it'll go 200 miles an hour instead of 100. So and, the aviation's and the reason to it to the, uh, And the reason it goes to the carbon fiber mm-hmm. is because, uh, as we said, it's stronger and lighter, and it doesn't have the reactionary to the air friction mm-hmm. where you can have expansion and contraction, especially oh, in joints, which can cause leaks and fuel tanks and so on and so on and so on. That's one of the... Huh. Uh, points with the SR-71. SR-71 would take off with just enough fuel to get off the ground, and once it get up to a certain altitude, it would connect up with a tanker and right. then fuel up because the wing surface, the uh, tanks that was going to hold the fuel would have expanded, closed off those little cracks and things that causes leaks. You know, SR-71 is full of fuel sitting on a, on the uh, Tarmac, you always come and look on the way. Where all this come from? It's got a leak. Yeah, leak well, like it's said, got yeah. a leak because the, yeah, yeah, there you go. The expansion joints, you know, haven't expanded yet. But the friction, the the heat. Well, it's interesting too that uh, even at 100 degrees below zero, these airplanes are generating enough heat um, through friction. Now, I didn't know that about a carbon fiber. So carbon fiber actually does not change temperature with friction. Doesn't change. Now, does it react to temperature in the air? If you go from sea level 100 degrees you know, and you fly it like uh, 15,000, 20,000 feet, and it's like 30 degrees. Does, does the carbon fiber react to that at all, or is it pretty stable? Something it's not stable. like it does with, with metal. Interesting. It's not like it does with metal. I need a carbon fiber airplane. Well, well I, I guess, yeah. And, well, I got three levels. Out, well, uh-huh. Look at the shooting stars. Why does a shooting star look like a shooting star? Because there's a rock up. coming through the atmosphere, it, mm-hmm. right, it heats up because of the uh, friction with the air. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing about our atmosphere. Our atmosphere 
protects the, the planet from incoming pieces of rock from outer space mm-hmm. if they come in and if they come in if they came in straight on many cases they can bounce off the atmosphere but if they come in shallow they penetrate the atmosphere then uh, they become affected by the friction they start burning up that's one of the things with the re-entry of the Gemini space castle. Mm-hmm. They had to have the heat shields on the bottom. Yeah, and also, there's a phenomenon on that Gemini, occurred. Yeah, space shuttle. Yeah, too. that was a yeah, that's a phenomenon that occurs that uh, at a certain point and for a certain amount of time, all communication stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't get through the interference. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. The dark side of the moon, too. <laughs> you know, that's why Pink Floyd wrote their, wrote, wrote their music. So when the when the lunar module is on the dark side, they can't communicate either. It's kind of interesting. Um, let's go back to airplanes because I always ask the question I ask. You know, your question you ask is very good. What kind of chemicals are they talking about? But the question my my question is where do they put them? You know, if you take an airliner, uh, either or a military airplane, even a big you know C five Galaxy. Where are you going to put oh, – I suppose you could put tanks in the, the cargo hold, all right? But uh, where are you going to put all that stuff? In the civilian airliners, where are you going to put it? you got baggage in the bottom. you got passengers in the middle. you got fuel in the wings. Where are you going to put chem, chemicals for, for spraying? And how are you going to spray them? Where, I've never seen the yeah, nozzle. Yeah, the nozzle. Like, the, show me the nozzle. The, show me the, the you can give me an example of that on a snowy and cold day and you go to use your windshield washers or wipers, mm-hmm. the nozzles clog up yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Well, I've had people, I used to a bike ride by Oakland Airport. And uh, Oakland, being in the San Francisco Bay Area, the air is 100% humidity because the fog comes off the, off the ocean and it, uh, it covers the whole Bay Area. So the air, you know, even when the fog burns off, the air still has an amazing amount of moisture content. And so water is water vapor. So when these 737s, you know, Southwest, which dominates Oakland Airport, uh, would come in for a landing, the, the, the wingtip vortices and the vortices off the flaps would have these spirals of air, these tornadoes of air uh, that were accelerating the air so fast that the, 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 the uh, same thing would happen. The water vapor would, would make a little tornado and it was white. And these planes would be coming in with these white tornadoes oh. coming, off, coming off the flaps and off the wingtips. Well, yeah, not the wingtips. They're in the landings. Yeah, they're coming from landing. Yeah, they look, chemtrails, chemtrails. I said, no, you Absolutely. idiot. That's, that's, yeah, that's moisture. That's just, that's just a, a wingtip vortice. That's a, that's a flat vortice. So they solved it with the wingtip. You know, they, the, they, they turned up the end of the wings and made uh, tails out of them. That that's was canard. to eliminate the – Yeah, that was, that was – I think canard is, is, uh, is French for, for wing. And those, oh, those oh you're talking about along the front end of the wing. Okay, yeah, the wing. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, but so the end of the wingtips of most airliners now have a winglet. In other words, it looks like a little tail. And the reason for that winglet is so that the air doesn't go from the bottom of the wing to the top of the wing so fast that it forms a little tornado because that's a big source of drag. And it also can roll airplanes, little airplanes behind them. I know I got caught in one a little bit. Um, not bad, but just enough to make me notice. And I, I, I was using my wake turbulence avoidance procedures. Anyway, um, but people would watch this. And they said, like, look, look, chemtrails. They're spraying chemtrails on us. I said, you complete moron. I said, that's just this water vapor coming off uh, you know, the edge of a, of a flap. Oh, you sure? Yeah, I'm a flight instructor. Yeah, yeah of course I'm sure. This, <laughs> it'll, do it on, it'll do it on a 172. I've never seen it on 172. I believe it. I mean, how fast do you have to go? Because these airliners, 
aren't coming in that fast. They're only coming in, what, 150 it's knots? It's not the speed. 175? It's the conditions. Okay. It's the conditions. Yeah, I've probably no, never seen off a flap because I'm watching the runway and watching my student. <laughs> Making sure they're not going to you know, mm-hmm. pile us in or something like that. You know? So if somebody would have to be behind you <laughs> to see it good. Well, I'm going to look now. Next time I'm at a small airport, you know, we've got a good one here in Milton, uh, Peter Prince Airport, and we've got Pensacola Airport. So I, I got access to airplanes. You know, so, uh, and as I said, you know, the, there are three, three levels of airplane I'm looking at. If I make a little bit of money, I'm going to get a light sport aircraft, uh, two-seater, carbon fiber, uh, 160 horsepower, horsepower Rotax. It's going to do about 200 plus knots, around 200 knots. It's going to be fully aerobatic. So that, that's my basic level. If I make a lot more money. And burn I, uh, car fuel. Car fuel, exactly. Five gallons an hour. All right. So five times three, that's $15 worth of fuel an hour. Maybe 20. Let's just say 20, just for the sake of argument. So it burns 20 bucks an hour. That's nothing for an airplane. Nothing. Especially when you're going 200 miles an hour. Or like 100, let's say, I think they're about 195 knots. So let's just say 210. It's over 200 miles an hour, right? On, on 20, bucks an, 20 bucks an hour, <laughs> that's better than a car. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you cover your distance three times as fast. Cars are doing, what, 70? And this thing's doing three times the speed for the same amount of fuel. So give me the airplane. Anyway. That's um, better so that's than the, wet lessening. Yeah. But these, now here's the thing, too. Flying schools are going to buy these airplanes like crazy. You know, so this is coming up. This is all coming well, next year. I think they already are. Yeah, well, they are buying them they now? Already are. If, if, well, the, what's holding back is the demand, you know, the uh, class, the demand for class size. Well, that's holding it back now. Yeah. I mean, so these the airplanes are going to be exciting. Yeah, they'll be exciting and they'll be affordable. You know, and people will be able to rent them. So even though they cost a couple hundred thousand dollars, which is nothing for an airplane, Full glass cockpit, the whole bit. In other words, all the computerized instrumentation. But the thing is, people will rent them because they'll cost nothing to rent compared to, uh, you know, uh, you get a 172 that does 100 knots. That's boring, right? If you want something faster, if you want 150 knots, you're looking at a 200 horsepower uh, like a, a Piper Arrow or a Cessna Cardinal RG or, a, or even my favorite, which I haven't flown yet, but I want to, the Comanche, Piper Comanche, beautiful airplane. But they're burning a lot more fuel. Because they've got these big old Lycoming and Continental engines. The Rotax engines are, are far lighter, and they're just as powerful. And so when Rotax comes out with a 200 horsepower, that's going to be really exciting. Anyway, so this, is, this revelation is coming. So, so the first level is the, the light sport. Next one would be turbine, two-place turbine, like the military trainers. And, mm-hmm. if I get, and the ultimate is if I get a ton of money, I'm buying a jet. And if I'm so rich, I don't know what to do with myself then I'm going to get a Learjet and a sport jet. So Learjet will be for travel, and the sport jet will be for, for aerobatics. So that's my plan. <laughs> it just depends on, on how much uh, you know, income Action Radio makes. So if I do well by doing good, then I'm going to have a lot of fun. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, so back to chemtrails. Where do they put these chemicals on these airplanes? Where are they going to put them? I don't know. I don't either. I like to know, like I said, I like to know what the chemical is. Well, that's like going to remain we can... liquid at that. Uh, remain liquid at that. Uh, not only at that altitude, but also at that temperature. Well, it'll be liquid inside the aircraft. I mean, how they keep fuel from freezing? You know, the the, the fuel is heated. I think, isn't it? Or at least it's kept at a temperature that. Uh, oh. Probably bleed air from the yeah. So, so let's let's look up what are the chemicals in chemtrails. This would be kind of fun. Let me go on the climate change. So what? What are the chemicals 
in chemtrails. And we'll see what, uh, see what comes up here. Uh, one of the chemicals made of Scientific American believers in the chemical aspect of chemtrails say those trails are actually clouds of chemicals used by the government or some large entity. Let's see what Scientific American says. This should be interesting. And then we'll go to uh, another one. Chemtrails are and a nice picture of contrails. Now, the contrail is what happens when you see those white lines behind jets. They're not chemtrails, contrails. Uh, this is before. Da, 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 da. You know, you got two key words there. Yep. When you were reading, you, one is believers. Yep. And what was the other other passage? Contrail. A contrail versus a no. chemtrail. What? No, in the definition of chemtrail. You said believers believe. Then you said something else. I forgot. Just oh, believers in chemtrails say those trails are actually clouds of chemicals used by the government for cloud. nefarious purposes. There you go, clouds. Clouds of chemicals. Cloud. Yeah, they are. They actually are clouds. You cloud. Yeah. Well, at that altitude. Yeah, same material. These are basically clouds. These See, are people clouds. look at the, a cloudy day. A cloudy day. People have never been out, been in a plane because planes take off in a cloudy day and fly above the clouds. Uh huh. Clouds are not from a hundred feet all the way up to space. It's just not like that way. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm scanning through this article. Yeah. Those who have a certification can take off on the ground and then fly through what you would think the the sky is covered with clouds. Well, in that particular area, but you fly through it, and all of a sudden you into clear skies. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see them on a cloudy day. <laughs> you don't see them at six thousand feet, neither. I can't find the chemicals that they're putting in there. I think bromide comes to mind, or something like that. We'll 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 have to do that for next week. Um, but uh, that'd be interesting. All right, so that's one theory. So there is an entire religion behind chemtrails. They believe it. They absolutely believe what about it. corporations. Uh, not as far as I know. I mean, let's talk about I mean, corporations. Okay, go ahead. United States is a corporation. You know, talking to people, oh, they always one, yeah. refer. Yeah, they refer to, and whoever came up with this <laughs> conspiracy, I guess, or this theory or this myth. Right. And they refer to a particular state, uh, no, a U.S. code, a U.S. Uh, title. Oh, I know. They I've read it. 28. They yeah. refer to 28. But 28, okay, 26 is our RS. 14 is what? Well, you and I, aviation. All right. Uh, 26, 20, I believe it's 25, uh, 27 oh, is for Indians. And tw- yeah, U.S. titles, Code of Federal Regulations. And 28, that they say, well, you can find it in section, they, they call it section 28, blah, blah, blah. But 28 is judiciary. It, it uh, applies to the formation of courts and their operation and so on, so on, and so on. So if you're going to have saying that the United States is a constitution, I'm sorry, a corporation, why would you apply, why would that which controls what you're stating be found in the judiciary statute? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually have it here. It's uh, it's Title 28 USC. 2032 something. And it says, United, and it's just a definition. United States means 
A, a federal corporation, B, an agency, department, commission, board, or other entity of the United States, or C, an instrumentality of the United States. So in other words, you could have a United States chartered corporation. It doesn't mean the United States is a corporation. This is where they make their mistake. The revealing is when you said Federal 28. Yeah, U.S. Code. So the U.S. cannot make itself a corporation. (laughs) U.S. cannot make itself a corporation. Not only can you would say, then they say we don't, we're not under a constitution. Well, all these different theories and uh, points that people put out there, and people get away with that. You know, I think oh, yeah. you make Especially more nonsense. money doing that than running a business. <laughs> I, I, I should, uh, I should do a conspiracy show. I'd make more money. I'd have a lot more listeners. I mean, I'd, I'd rather deal in truth. Yeah, but uh, well, here's what I do. Worlds again. <laughs> this is Orson Welles of the Mystery Theater, 1932, War of the Worlds. Yeah, I got my Monty Python theme. I'll play my, uh, I'll play the beginning of it, and then I'll stop it. But uh, did you ever hear uh, Monty Python on racism? It starts with the, the listen to this. This will, this will put us in the right frame of mind. Hello, and welcome to Action Radio presents how Monty Python might react to a charge of racism. Ah. Wait for it. There we go. I just had to play that. <laughs> oh, you want to hear the whole thing? I can play it for you. I haven't done it for a while. But uh, well, one uh, anyway, that's on climate change too. Well, that's, that's, I just want to play that, but it's the right frame of mind. That's what I but think of the U.S. being a corporation. Yeah, the U.S. Mm-hmm. is not a corporation. Because here's what I ask people too, and, and like I say, Josie's big on this as well. Sorry, Josie, to talk about you when you're not here. But um, if the U.S. were a corporation, all corporations have a charter from a government. So which government chartered the U.S. If the U.S. is in fact a corporation? Well, you know what some would say, England. And then they say we still under the rule of England. Really? And then show me, I, I, I guess, they, did, did they miss the war for independence? Did, did they miss the, you know, the British surrender? Did they miss the ratification of the, of the Articles of Confederation and the Constitution? Did I, did I miss something along the way here? <laughs> you know, when the British left uh, and we became the United States and not the colonies of Britain? I guess they missed that part. But you cannot have a corporation without a charter, right? Because all corporations are chartered government. Every U.S. corporation has a corporate charter. Well, the U.S. does not, because the U.S. is not a corporation. That would mean that the entire United States is owned by another government. Well, that's impossible. Yeah, <laughs> you know, towns so just, are incorporated. Towns are, but that incorporated is different than a corporate charter. So, incorporated towns are incorporated right. for in terms of of liability and ownership and taxes and and things like that. And incorporation usually people incorporate to limit the liability. So that the only liability. You think it's just the word? You think it's the word they get them? I don't know what gets them. I think they just want to believe. I think there's a there's there's a real problem with people who want to believe. Okay, people want to believe in climate change. I don't know why, but they do. They want to believe that chemtrails that the the airplanes up there are spouting water vapor full of you know nasty stuff. They want to believe that uh, that there's a secret treasury account with, with uh, $650,000 in their name. They want to believe if they're capital letters on the birth certificate that they're entitled to that money. They want to believe all kinds of things. I don't know why, but they do. 
All right. Yeah, and change. that uh, your that your your name on your social security card is all in capital letters. Yeah, well, that must mean something significant. No, it means they they wrote your name in capital letters. <laughs> so we have to distinguish between real and fantasy. You know, the government COVID policies, the mandates, the lockdowns that killed far more people than COVID. Those were real. Mm-hmm. Chemtrails, U.S. corporation. Birth certificate nonsense, that's not real. That's Climate not change. Well, yeah, climate change is fantasy. Now, who benefits from that? Who benefits from we the, 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 the theory of climate change? No, we don't benefit from the theory of climate change. Humankind, yes. yes Politicians. Yes, humankind did. It's, it's, no, it's I'm the, talking about uh, overall. Um, overall, humankind Oh, no, no, no. Okay, right. You're talking about real climate change? The climate is changing. I'm talking about yeah. the, the political climate change. Real climate change. Oh, well, change. political Political, yeah, we know what's that, but real climate change is good. Real climate change. There was a time when humanists did what? They lived in trees because mm-hmm. they didn't have the understanding and the ability to fight off predators. Mm-hmm. But guess what? When climate changed and it started destroying the canopy in trees, well, those humanists had to do what? They couldn't stay up there no more. They couldn't jump from one to one because mm-hmm. the trees just didn't exist. So mm-hmm. they had to come to the ground. Mm-hmm. So Homo habilis became Homo erectus at some point. Mm-hmm. And then they began to learn more. They took the blunt end of a stick. They put sharpen it to make a spear so that they could not only blunt the predator off, but they also could pierce it and kill it. And mm-hmm. said, hmm, well, we can cook him. Because mm. cooked food tastes better, and what well, they didn't know at the time was that it's uh, you know, bacteriologically and germ-wise, it's safer. Yeah, yeah, it is, and not only that, it takes the it takes the taxation off of your body. It allows your brain to get bigger. Because you don't have to do so much to digest uh, the raw food. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So when 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 uh, humanists had to come out of the trees. Mm-hmm. They had to come to the ground. Then they began to wander, hunt, wander. And then they stood up. Because you can't run outrun your predator on fours. You gotta stand up at some point. You ever see a bear stand up? It's the weirdest thing you ever want to see. <laughs> but they don't run like that. They run on all fours. Mm-hmm. And they're fast they're they faster run on than all we are. fours. Then they stand up and kill you. Yes. <laughs> It's because their front paws are stronger than, just as strong as anything else. On our arms would be pitiful at that. Oh no! You don't don't attack a bear. No, run. Uh, you know, g- get around a tree. Do something. Carry a forty-four magnum. I mean, this is this is why humans carry guns. And don't you know, climb a tree because they can climb trees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or better still, don't be there. But if you encounter a bear, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the potential, you know, I go bike riding on a trail that potentially has bears on it. I know because I passed by bear poop. <laughs> so I know the bears are there early one morning, you know, so uh, it happens. And, so, yeah. and also that's how, uh, huh? other, that's how other populations, other area regions of the world uh-huh. became popular because, you know, human, uh, humanists could travel yeah. and explore and well, uh, carry out their uh, curiosity. Well, let's talk about, let's go from ice age to, to modern. Let's talk about real climate change. So there was the last ice age, 50,000 some odd years ago, which is not that long in geologic time. Uh, the ice came down to California, created Yosemite, was 
you know, I don't know, 100, 200 feet thick, you know, and destroyed most of the life on Earth because it was all buried under ice. And so the humans that survived were below California, you know, squenched into the middle of the Earth. Uh, and I guess it came up from the Antarctic, too. So I'm not sure how far the ice came from the Southern Hemisphere. I've never looked at that. Anyway, the Northern Hemisphere completely covered. So the, the humans at the time were Neanderthal and Cro-Magnon. And they didn't do so well, you know, because, but they learned how to kill mammoths. And so uh, that was, that was probably the major food source, mammoth, bison, you know, big animals. So we had spears, knives, and eventually bows and arrows. Um, So we were able to reach out and touch animals at a distance, which is far safer for us. And so that's how they survived. You know, the animals provided everything, food, shelter, you know, everything, medicine, uh, the whole bit. And so, so between the, the bison, the fish and the mammoths, that's how, that's how humans survived. So then the climate warmed. And then we had the conquerors, the Vikings and all the other folks in different societies from, uh, I don't know, pre, uh, pre-Jesus, you know, those ancient societies uh, eventually grew from hunter-gatherer to agriculture and off they went. But the biggest reason that we were able to flourish yeah, was climate change. Down, it's not wandering. Yeah, I mean, but it, you then, know, like again, the Indians, they used to wander and follow the buffalo. Mm-hmm, yeah. They didn't understand agriculture. Mm-hmm. Agriculture well, permits people to stop and say, well, let's, let's camp out. Let's stay here for a while. Then they have to grow mm-hmm. their food. Yeah. Because that yeah. which they will follow in the hunt is gone. They ain't going to wait around for you. Yeah. They migrate. Animals migrate. Animals keep moving. Just because people hunt them. Yeah. <laughs> other reasons. yeah. But the climate That's changed. the way they program. Yeah. So That's the ice the way receded. they program. Uh-huh. So the ice receded. Okay. The ice went away, went up to the North and South Pole. Climate warmed up. And the warmer it got, the more humanity flourished. The Renaissance was during a warming period. Um, all our great advances were during warming periods. You know, warm air holds more carbon dioxide, which means more plant life, which means more food. Colder times. And the, the warmer period age. is due to the earth. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's from the sun tilts to the earth. Right. So real climate, there is a thing called climate change. There is real climate change. That's what we're talking about now. So the climate changes. We are going to head for another ice age at some point. It's not going to be good with all the people now, ice on the at earth. that time was miles. It was as much as a mile or more thick. Yeah, because that's how those ice, those glaciers moving down actually mm-hmm. carved your valleys, allowed yeah. your peaks to exist. And mm-hmm. You look at the beautiful in. lakes we have. You know the lakes in uh, Michigan and Minnesota; those are all glacial. The lakes in Maine; they're all glacial. The rivers, you know, and again Yosemite. You look at Half Dome. Half Dome was only half because you know a big uh, mountain of ice, a glacier, cut it in half. So this ice was stronger than rock. Yeah, your Mississippi River. Your, there you go. It slows down. The Delta region is so mm-hmm. rich in soil where it's just ideal for agriculture. You know why? It's because the glaciers move from the north down to the south. They push what? Topsoil. Yep. Ahead of them. They took everything with it. Yeah. And when they receded, they melted. They left that topsoil there. So the most fertile areas of North America are generally places that were under ice. And that's because of climate change. So the ice receded, humanity began, you know, what Chinese civilization is about 7,000 years old. So 50,000 years ago was the ice age. So humanity probably started 10, 20,000 years ago. Well, actually, according to uh, Chief Sam Skyhorse, about 60,000 years ago. So humanity really started at the end of the last ice age is when things started, is things kind of got going as far as humans developing. And so we're only one ice age old. So everything we've developed from well, stone knives three. and bearskins. I think, it's been, I think it's been three, but, you know, we can live with that. For okay, so whatever the figure is. So basically simple. humanity, modern human beings got going 
at the end of the last ice age. And they adapted. Right. So we are it's here because of – Yeah, but we're here because of climate change. If there had not been climate change, if we were still in an ice age, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. Yeah. Humanity would be still running around chasing mammoths, <laughs> you know, uh, living about 20 years, and that would be it. <laughs> you know, you, you wouldn't be grandparents. You wouldn't be around long enough. You know, some bug. Yeah, some, Pandia, you know, the, when it was all one continent, you yeah. know, the rocks formation and chemical makeup of rocks are the same thing in Scotland and Manhattan. You hmm. know, all those, those little weird rock shapes in, in, in New York and Manhattan mm-hmm. uh, with vertical grooves and stuff, that was due to the separation of the, the big, large land mass, and I like to call it Pandia. Mm-hmm. And if you look That's at a lot the rocks older. there, in, uh, yeah, if you look, yeah. There, yeah, it is. But at one time, uh, Manhattan and Scotland, uh, the western edge of Europe, was uh, connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and India used to be a part of Africa until it broke off and crashed into Asia and, and created the Himalayas. So it's fascinating. But climate change is a lot. Where you are used to be east. Did you, you know where? Where was it? It used to be east, 90 degrees, 90 degrees up, yes. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, but continental drift is a lot, so it took a lot longer. Uh, you know, climate change, the earth, the earth was pretty much formed by the time the, the last ice age ended, because it takes a lot longer than 50,000 years. So anyway, so modern society is based on the fact that the earth warmed up. And the warmer, you look through history, and the warmer the earth has been, the greater the carbon dioxide, the greater the plant life, the fewer the deserts. Deserts actually take colder air. It's kind of weird. Because colder air has less moisture. Warm air has more moisture in it, which means more plant life. So moisture, moist air, water plus carbon dioxide, in other words, the building blocks of life, you know, happen in warmer climates. They just do. Not, not in, in geographically, but overall in the earth. So climate change, real climate change is a good thing. So now these morons come along. Let's talk about the political one. So these complete idiots come along. Uh, either they're, they're, they're nothing but communists who want to control everything, or, or they're completely just caught up in their, in their cult. And they say, we have to get rid of carbon dioxide because we have to save the planet. It's going to warm up. That is an irrational statement, but that's what they believe. Well, it's a, it's a uh, hypobarisma is what it is. What's that? Because when you're creating these new industries, the, then it opens up the possibility for corruption. It will be a hypobarisma. Oh, and many politicians want to get their hands into it. Yep. So the people that are advocating the modern theory that and it's wrong that carbon dioxide, you know, causes a blanket in the atmosphere that traps heat, lets heat in, but prevents it, bounces it back from going out like a greenhouse. Um, that that air has the same properties as glass, which is absurd on its face. Um, they're in it for two reasons: one, they're a true believer in the cult, or they're getting power and and money. So the politicians it's power are power and money. It's money. Okay, so it's the power really is communism. The money is our tax dollars. That's why they're doing it. So power and money. So let's, let's take the power. The cult people are easy to understand. They just believe it. Why? I don't know. They want to believe it. They want to believe that the earth is, is dying and everything the United States does is wrong. They want to believe that. But let's talk about the power and money aspects of this. So the power is government control, Right. So that's easy to understand. Government control and a re- government control regulations and a release of regulations for those that's for the highest bidder. 
Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But but the government, there's always people in government who want control. The people that put the the, mm-hmm. the mandates from COVID that ran right to to mandates, even though those mandates were completely illegal, ran right to control because they enjoy control. Control is their drug of choice. So they are addicted to gaining more control. They're mostly Democrats, but not always. So that's what happened during COVID, and they're coming out again. So the, the basically the health Nazis, you know, the the the, the aspiring dictators—they're all coming back, and they want control. But money, now money's different. So who makes money? Who makes money off uh, this, this uh, bogus climate change? The, the manufacturers of medicines. In that aspect, at one point in time, the, the uh, manufacturers of coal made money, and they also bought politicians. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who's buying politicians now? Solar Industries, uh, China. Solar Industries. The solar right. industry is. Yes. Yeah. China so, is because what? China needs a market with people mm-hmm. that have money in their pocket. It's not just the people, but people have have to have, to have money in their pocket. Nigeria yeah. needs people with money in his pocket. Chinese mm-hmm. got people, but they all don't have money in their pocket. Yeah, Americans watch, got watch, money in their pocket. Yeah, yeah. Watch Trump because I think Trump is going to collapse the Chinese economy when he comes back, and no one's really talking about that yet. But that's that's part of the plan, is that they are going to be treated like they should have been treated all along as a as a real competitor, and we're not going to buy our stuff from them. We're not going to buy our medicines from them. We're not going to give them a special market. They're going to be they're not going to be most favored nation. They're going to be tariffed like they tariff us. So we're going to treat them uh, basically as they should have been as as equal competitors in the market. So in other words, if they if they tax us for goods, we're going to tax them. They, you know, whatever's going on. So that's going to be interesting. So you're going to watch Trump's going to basically collapse the Chinese economy. That's going to be fun to watch. So China has a vested interest in, quote, climate change because they make money off it. They make money off all the solar batteries, all the solar, all the electric cars, all the, the everything that they, they manufacture uh, and sell to us. So they pay off Brandon. So, so for China's in for the money. They pay off Brandon. They pay off the politicians. You know, they, they, uh, they make money. Uh, the company's here. Any company that's engaged in any climate, anything, public utilities, switching to solar, wind farm people, you know, solar farm, all these people make money. Uh, electric cars mm-hmm. make money. So everything, anything that's subsidized in the name of, quote, climate change, they're in it for the money. So if you cut It off, has to be subsidized because if you yeah. don't subsidize it, um, people, people have a tendency to remain the way they are. Rivers flow, it has a tendency to continue the same path until something climatic makes a change to it. Right. So the answer to climate change is to take away all subsidies. That goes for farms too, by the way, Uh, especially big ones. You know, all price supports, take all the subsidies, all the corporate welfare, take all the corporate welfare out of anything to do with, quote, climate change, uh, anything to do with electric conversion, anything to do with getting rid of our gas stoves, light bulbs, ceiling fans, uh, gasoline-powered cars, all that kind of stuff. All of that has to be done away with. Any subsidy, any control, any, any restriction on people for these, these legal consumer goods have to be eliminated. And the market. Let's see what the market is for, you know, so green products. Well, it's not there. You know, if you... electric like oil, ethanol, right? Yeah, well, I get rid of that, too. No, or not. I wouldn't get rid of ethanol. I'd just take away the subsidy. What did they do? What did ethanol do? It made Archer Daniels more rich. <laughs> right. With the increase in the price of corn. Mm-hmm. 
Well, ethanol, no, no oil company would, would buy ethanol and put it in the gasoline unless it was required, unless they, they made money on it, right? So the only reason we have ethanol and gasoline is because the government pays for it to be there. But it's not necessary for the car to power. Cars are on gasoline. Cars ran on gasoline just and who fine. Enticed the government, who enticed the government to do what? Make regulations. Farm lobby. Corporations, large mega, ag, large mega agri corporations. Okay, well they can't do that. In in the business of growing corn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but corn is food. It's, it's, not it's a barisma effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you you got to take all the subsidies, and this is something that we'll do as as Action Radio as we gain uh, power and influence in this country. Uh, there's going to be a lot of bills that we'll be writing to get rid of all these subsidies. We're actually going to go to a free market. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I just hope yeah free market amongst the states, fair market amongst other countries. Yeah, yeah. And a fair market is if you tax our dairy products at 600%, like Canada does, we're going to tax their products at 600% or more to redress the balance. You know, and that's how you do it. So free trade for us. Mm-hmm. In other words, trade within the United States should not be restricted. And, the, and, the, and no government subsidies of any kind for any corporation, you know. Uh, I mean, if people want to, I mean, farmers have insurance. If they want to insure their crops against loss, no problem with that. But we're not going to subsidize it. You pay for it. You know, I mean, we're not going to pay for large companies to buy small companies. Ain't going to happen. We're not going to get tax breaks to large companies just because they're large. And they pay for, for uh, lower tax rates. And they're going to pay the same rate as, as everybody else. Or just get and rid the of commerce tax laws go back to... The commerce yep. clause go back to meaning what it was supposed to be meant, meant to be. Yep. Why, don't you, why don't you restate that? Then we'll take and, a break, and then we'll come back. On some, I got something else I want to talk about this hour, but yeah. Go ahead. So, so commerce clause, clause was, was supposed to be commerce between Illinois and West Virginia. It's, that's all, that's what it was meant to be. Commerce between commerce activities between states it don't have anything to do with uh, Obamacare. The Commerce Clause, the, exactly, the sole reason for the Commerce Clause was so that trade could take place in this country and states wouldn't put unreasonable barriers or restrictions to it. So in other words, Virginia would not tax Oklahoma for using ports in Virginia to send goods to England. They wouldn't have an Oklahoma tax. Okay, Trains could go state to state and they wouldn't have a different gauge. They wouldn't have a different width track. Time zones would be established, Eastern, Central, Mountain, and Pacific, so that we could standardize the time, and it would make sense so you could schedule from California to New York. That's what the, that's what the Interstate Commerce Clause, that's what the Commerce Clause is for, is so that individual states cannot take advantage of other individual states for whatever reason or advantage they have, nor can they charge specific states differently. So that's what the Commerce Clause is for. That is all that the Commerce Clause is for is to facilitate goods and services crossing state lines so that states don't take unfair advantage. That's it. Is that stated pretty well? That's great. That's great. And that needs to be redefined as a constitutional amendment because Congress would never make a law because they profit individually off of it. You know, we got to find out, too, how is uh, this money being disseminated to the Congress people? You may mention uh, Pelosi, mm-hmm. and it's just not creating an outrage when it's revealed. It needs to be a revelation there. 
What are you? How are you getting this money? Where is it coming from? Is it coming yeah. from country uh, country campaign contributions that's left over that you allowed to do whatever you want to with them because that's the rules you set up? Yeah. Well, I think citizen oversight boards and citizen juries who uh, hear cases of government officials. So in other words, if the government can prosecute the citizens in government courts, then citizens should be able to prosecute government people in citizen courts. That's how I would do it. That's an entirely no new, immunity. Yeah, that's an entirely new branch of law we'll be working on. The first step in that is my, uh, uh, my compliance um, basically the Compliance Equity Act. Uh, that's the short name for it. But I've got to find a short title for it. But the act that says that if, if the federal government is investing, investigating somebody, uh, they get two payments, first of all. The first payment is a defense equity payment. However much the government spent investigating them, they get as a payment to defend themselves against that investigation. And the second is they get to bill the government for all compliance costs, legal fees, paperwork processing, extra employees, lost revenue, things like that. So that's the first step in what you're talking about. Well, let's take a break, let's come, and I want to come back and talk about uh, the actual title of the show today, which is an article I found called The Death of Informed Consent um, by Stella Paul. So that's where I'm going to go. So I'll probably uh, ramble on that article for a bit, uh, Pianchi, and then we'll get you back in to, uh, uh, to talk about it. And, or you can just stop me midway through. I'll leave your line live. And so if something you want to say, hey, I want to focus on that, that would be cool too. So it's now 9.06, back in a little bit, our first break of the day. Do you believe it was our first break of the day? Be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. 
Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Dangerously cool. I love that voice. <laughs> so much fun making these promos and things. It's really a good time. All right, so I've got Pianchi in the line, but I want to get into an article here that uh, I discovered, I think, yesterday or the day before. Um, it's from American Thinker. And a lot of times I find these, a lot of Facebook folks supply me with articles and things and, uh, and way too many videos. So the videos, I honestly don't have time. I really don't, especially if they're just reporting stuff because I want to deal with solutions. I don't want to deal with people just analyzing the problems and being a better complainer. Okay. So I don't care about that. I want, uh, you know, this is an action show. This is not a show where we just rehash what everybody else is rehashing. That doesn't serve any purpose to me whatsoever. But this is different. Uh, and this is somebody I want to get on the show. Uh, I did a little bit of research. Her name is Stella Paul. That's P-A-U-L. And she is in the Brownstone Institute. And that's uh, Jeffrey Tucker. Uh, he's the one that heads up Brownstone. Think tank, but a good one. Uh, they're into solutions also. 
And so they're my kind of folks. Anyway, she wrote an article September 7th for the American Thinker. That's where that was this. Those are the folks that first uh, published my article, uh, the creation of the new American city state or the birth of the, of the American city state back in 2014. It was my first published article in a major uh, website, and uh, it basically started Action Radio. So that article is still available if you want to go to American Thinker and just put in a little search engine, you know, Greg Penglis, the birth of the American city state. I've been over it. I'll go over it another time. She says the death of informed consent, and it's so self-explanatory. I'm just going to read uh, this and comment. And again, Pianki, you're welcome to, uh, to uh, hop in if you find something particularly uh, interesting as I go through this. She says, here's what never happened in the hospital during COVID. A doctor sat down next to a patient and said, you have a choice. We can give you remdesivir, which killed 53% of our patients in an Ebola trial. It was so bad, the trial had to be shut down. And you'll notice here in remdesivir's fact sheet, it says not a lot of people have used remdesivir. Serious and unexpected side effects may, uh, may, this is here, may happen. There we go. I'm sorry. Let me say it again. Serious and unexpected side effects may happen. Or, part of the conversation again, or we can give you ivermectin, a safe and effective drug that's been successfully used for decades and send you home. Which do you prefer? <laughs> so, and that's the conversation never happened. You know, we can give you remdesivir, which killed 53% of the patients in an Ebola trial, um, or we can give you uh, ivermectin, which is safe and effective and has been used for decades. Which do you prefer? That conversation never happened, right? And, and she says the reason that conversation never happened is that it would have cost the hospital too much money. If the hospital gave you ivermectin and sent you home, the federal government paid the hospital $3,200. If the hospital gave you remdesivir, the federal government paid the entire hospital bill plus a 20% bonus. So the hospital executive's choice was to receive $3,200 for ivermectin or $500,000 for remdesivir. That was the average hospital bill. No contest. She says patients were going to get remdesivir, whether they wanted it or not. Informed consent died a grotesque death in the hospitals during COVID, and we need an autopsy. There was no information, and there was no consent, and without them, patients are reduced to helpless victims, exploited for corrupt financial gain and immoral experiments. Yeah, this is a, this is a medical holocaust, folks. I mean, COVID was a medical holocaust. The COVID virus itself, although man-made and derived from uh, bioweapon technology uh, from DARPA, the defense uh, group, um, the, the actual COVID virus is not that bad. I know I had it. Got over it in a couple of days, no problem. Everybody's experience was different, and yes, it could kill people. Um, but as far as, uh, as far as actually being dangerous, it was nothing compared to the government policy regarding COVID. That's what killed a million people was the government policy and the hospitals and the, uh, and the so-called vaccines, the COVID shots uh, and the isolation and the lockdowns and the masks and everything else that associated with this and the families that lost their businesses and the suicides and everything else and the kids being basically tortured with these devices on their faces. That's what hurt people. That's what killed people. COVID itself. Just another virus, just another flu bug. Article says, and then also the scheme. Yeah, go ahead, Pianchi. The scheme behind it too, Greg, because you mm-hmm. you said that the hospitals got uh, more money if they went one direction compared to the other. Now, what mm-hmm. did that extra money provide? It provided raises for administration. Oh yeah. And other. Okay, well, now get this. Hospitals made a fortune. They made a fortune, right? And yeah. then when they made a fortune, then they were able to spin it. Now, you got to keep that up. If not, at some point in time, the windfall 
goes back to normal, and then all of a sudden you don't have that windfall to pay mm-hmm. out to those administrators and everybody else. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to keep it flowing? Well, you got to create another pandemic, then another pandemic, and another How about pandemic. That? Well, that's what they're doing now. They're trying to bring back you know, the COVID pandemic. But the reason is because that uh, the, the hospital income is down. Pfizer's in either Pfizer profits or Fiverr, uh, gro- Pfizer gross income. I'm not sure which, but it's on the news. It's down 30% this year. Why? Because no one's taking the jab anymore. Because they don't want it. They don't want to die. They don't want to see their family members die. They don't want to be crippled for life. They don't wanna, I, I just saw an article a couple of days ago. Megan Kelly you know, has an autoimmune disorder now that she never had until she got a booster. You know, if she listened to the show, she never would have got the booster. We were telling people from March of 2020, whatever you do, don't get the vaccine because it's not going to be ready for 15 years and COVID's here now. And we already had cures for it, you know. And so and I didn't think it was as high as 500,000. I thought it was about 150,000. But here's the sick part. The, the truly sick part of all this is that hospitals made more money killing people than they did saving them. A lot more money. And the fact that they opted for killing people over saving them is what makes this a Holocaust. Jackie? You're right on it. Absolutely. Yeah. And if yeah. people think about what we just got through saying, you will see how it will work. You know, the uh, windfall that they receive off of COVID, mm-hmm. and now the fact that people are pulling back, they say they finally educating themselves and saying, you know, this is useless. Well, then the windfall stopped. Well, the people that got the bonuses, the people that got the pay raises and so on, so on, so on, that's drying up, and they want to keep it flowing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're going to have to create yet another calamity, and they're going to have to scare people in order for it to work. Yep. COVID is a marketing device. I've said that all along. COVID oh. was a marketing device. The, the, the jab came years before the virus. They created the virus to match the jab. You know, this is this. We've we've been over this for years. There's one more new. thing, Greg. Yeah, go ahead. One more thing. Mm-hmm. You say people are not taking the shots. Well, how do you get people to take shots that they don't want to? You mandate them. Yeah, but even then, some people aren't taking them. <laughs> but but the majority of people took majority the majority of this country took COVID jabs, and they're going to be suffering for it for decades to come. We told everybody not to. Well, you remember our PSA? You, yeah. Remember they say if you don't, you're going to lose your job. You can't come in here. You can't eat here. You can't fly on the flight. Yeah. Then you, then you drive. You find another way. You do something else. This is, this is not entirely accurate anymore, but this is what we used to play at the beginning of, of, of COVID. This is how far ahead we were. Hang on. Let me just play this one more time. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio. You've all heard those ads for people who have suffered medical or health tragedies, which say you may be entitled to compensation. But if you have suffered injuries or crippling diseases or medical procedures that went horribly wrong, it's not the compensation you need, it's the knowledge you should have had before the condition you suffer from now. So that you are never in that position in the future, I strongly recommend that you do not get any COVID vaccines. Get informed. Do your own research. For 99.97% of Americans, your natural immunity will give you, at worst, only moderate symptoms of COVID. If you've already had COVID, it's virtually impossible to get it again. There are effective cures for COVID, which will get you completely over the virus. There is no cure for the COVID-19 vaccines. Once you start down the road of DNA modification, there is no going back.
Yeah, I bet you didn't hear that on anybody else's media. <laughs> yeah. But that's what we used to play. That was our warning to people. Yeah, and uh, now the, the, part of that's inaccurate now. I learned from Dr. Judy Mikovits that there are cures, there are rehabilitations, there are things you can do to get over the COVID shot. So you can work your way back from it for those who have had it. There are treatments now that, that weren't available when I made that, that uh, PSA. But just the fact that we came out and said, don't get the shot years before anybody else. It's probably 2020 I made that. I'll, I'll check and see when I made it. I'd be curious. But that's what we used to broadcast. Don't do it. Let me get back to the article here because uh, what they're really talking about is informed consent. Uh, informed consent is exactly what it says. You are informed fully and then you, of your own free will, give your consent. That's what informed consent means. So Stella Paul says informed consent has been enshrined in numerous judicial rulings as the foundation of ethical medical practice and seared into the public's conscience from the Nuremberg trials. Seven Nazi doctors were hanged in Germany by an American military tribunal for murders, tortures, and other atrocities committed in the name of medical science. Yet, murders, tortures, and other atrocities are exactly what was committed by medical staff in the hospitals against thousands of Americans during COVID. I'll give you a personal example. Uh, Our webmaster, uh, Eric Colley, who created WriteYourLaws.com, was killed by a ventilator. This is personal to me. Um, Dr. Peter Pry was on the show for years. Can't prove it. I think he was killed by a COVID shot. Six months after his COVID shot, he's dead from a cancer that was going away. You tell me. So this is, this is personal. And I know people, I've had people on the show that have lost their kids, hospital protocols, especially uh, um, one of my friends, her, her, her child had Down syndrome. And the hospital killed her because they wanted the half a million dollars over her life. Let me get back to the article. Take, for example, Ray Lamar, who arrived in the emergency room with a message written in a blank Sharpie, a black Sharpie on his arm. It said, no vent, no remdesivir. On his other arm, he wrote the same message and added his wife's name and phone number. Yet the doctors gave him remdesivir anyway without ever informing him. His widow, Patty, so obviously he died, right? His widow, Patty, told me she constantly wonders what she could have done to save him. Well, the only thing was don't get him to the hospital because the hospitals could kill people. So the hospital, it's strange to think the hospital was the worst place you could go during COVID because they could make half a million dollars off your death or $3,200 saving your life. And they chose to kill you. Christine Johnson, back to the article, told the doctors that she discussed all her medications with her daughter, who was a nurse, and she concluded that she didn't want remdesivir. It didn't matter. Christine was given remdesivir while she was sleeping, and now her daughter, Michelle, doesn't have her mother. Next case, Rebecca Stevens. And I... I know people have had this happen. We've had them on the show. Rebecca Stevens, back to the article, was an avid reader of Epictus when she learned about remdesivir's dangers. She declined remdesivir on five separate occasions as her hospital records confirmed. But the medical staff didn't care what Rebecca wanted. She was given remdesivir without her knowledge, and now Rebecca's five grandsons are bereft. I asked Michael Hamilton how it's possible to give remdesivir to patients without them knowing. Hamilton is a lawyer for several families who are suing California hospitals for the murder of their loved ones, and he's heard thousands of victims' stories. They would lie right to your face, he said. You'd tell the nurse that you didn't want remdesivir, and she'd say, fine, but you're a bit dehydrated, so let's get some fluids into you. And she'd hook up the IV, but it wasn't fluids, it was remdesivir. Hamilton told me that another favorite tactic was to knock out patients with sedatives like morphine and fentanyl. Oh, isn't that interesting? While they lay in a stupor, they were injected with remdesivir. If secret injections of remdesivir weren't enough to kill you, the hospitals had more torture lined up. 
After all, the federal government paid hospitals a big bonus to ventilate patients. This is where Trump made one of his, his, his uh, uh, huge uh, blunders, was that whole you know, warp speed, let's get all the ventilators in the hospital. I mean, he actually participated in the death of millions of people without knowing it. And that's too bad. That's a tragedy he's got to answer for. He's got to, he's got to do a mea culpa. He's got to admit that he made a mistake. The ventilators were wrong. But that's, that's, that's hopefully coming. We'll see what happens. Anyway, article says, if secret injections of remdesivir weren't enough to kill you, the hospitals had another. Okay, there we go. It says, uh, patients were going to get ventilated whether they wanted to or not. A lot of patients turned down being vented because the whole process is a nightmare. You're painfully intubated. In other words, the tubes put down your throat. Rendered unable to talk. Your lungs start shredding. And you may, require back, you may acquire bacterial pneumonia, which the hospital will refuse to treat. See, that's how most people die. If they're on the ventilator, they, they got bacterial pneumonia. Now, I have experience with ventilators. Okay? I was on one for several well, hours. Well, I'll tell the story in a minute. Go ahead, Pianca, and then I'll tell you my ventilator story. Well, you know, we, we want to blame that on Trump and his medical decisions, but at the same time, we say that the federal government has no business being in education as with the Department of Education. Right. So he shouldn't have been in those decisions whatsoever. He should have left that up to the Fauci's of the world. <laughs> well, what he should have done is stayed out of it. You know, he should have let uh, patients and hospitals and doctor, uh, patients and doctors do for themselves. See, there are a lot of good doctors out there. I've had them on the show. Remember, we used to have that doctor's panel all through 2022? Judy Mikovits, Brian Artis, uh, our local folk, folks, Deb Viglione, Jim Thorpe. These amazing doctors. We even had Dr. Uh, Zelenko on the show a couple of times. And they all said the same thing. Early treatments. Early treatments work. Early treatments. Hydroxychloroquine. Ivermectin. Vitamin G3, vitamin C, zinc. Zinc kills the genetic material of the COVID virus. Hydroxychloroquine kills the outer protein wall. So you put them together, it kills COVID. Hydroxychloroquine right. costs about and 20 you know, cents. About 20 cents a tablet. And, but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Why come these companies not out of business? Because normally when a manufacturer put out a bad product that's uh, killing people, hurting people, and maiming people, they don't usually stay in business. They go out because... The public consumer runs from them. I'll why tell you do why. those are companies not calling I'll tell you why. Because when the the health Nazis, you know, and in uh, uh, the the health and human services secretary, I forgot who it was, who now works for Pfizer <clears throat> on the corporate board, declared the emergency, declared the COVID emergency. They also declared that nothing to do with COVID would have any liability. <laughs> So the whole point of the, of the declaration of emergency was not to scare people that, oh, no, we've got an emergency. We have to deal with it. No, it was to remove all the liability from remdesivir, from the hospitals, from the ventilators, and from everything else. If they were treating COVID, it came under this blanket declaration of emergency, and there was no liability because they were saving lives. They couldn't wait for – they couldn't have liability. They, could, they couldn't wait for oversight. They couldn't wait for Congress to, to look into this and actually think about it. No, we have to do this right now. No, they didn't. And you know what that was? What? And that was an injustice fraud. Fraud and injustice combined. Oh, completely. Oh, yeah. Now, the vaccine manufacturers, or actually the the messenger RNA, the the COVID shots, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, they were already immune from liability. So you didn't have to put that in the emergency declaration. All you had to do was make the hospitals and the ventilators. Let me tell you my ventilator experience. So as everybody knows, I had open heart surgery. I had a valve trim. Had a little trim to fit of my mitral valve, um, and that's what's uh, putting me in great shape now. I mean, I'm in good shape, really good shape, actually. 
So that was a good surgery. But in order to do that, they had to stop my heart and stop my lungs. I was clinically dead for four hours. So the only way they kept me alive was with a ventilator. And so I had tubes down my throat. Unfortunately, I woke up coming out of my, uh, my um, whatever, you know, anesthetic um, with these tubes down my throat. And I immediately gagged <laughs> a lot. <laughs> you know? And I tried to rip these tubes out of my throat. And they're holding my arms down saying, no, no, you can't take them out yet. You're not breathing. I'm thinking to myself, I'm friggin' breathing, but I couldn't even talk yet. So I was conscious enough to be awake and breathing, but I couldn't talk. So I couldn't tell them that, yes, I was breathing. So I, I started grabbing the tubes, and, I, and I, I pointed the tubes, and I pointed away from my throat. I said, point the tubes, point it away. In other words, take these things out now. And then the nurse, they look at each other, oh, yeah, I guess you're breathing now. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so it, it felt like they were so deep down into my throat, I felt like my lungs were coming out with them. That is a pain that I cannot describe. Just imagine having, your, having something way down so far into your lungs that you actually feel it coming all the way out. That's what I felt. So ventilators, you ain't putting me on a ventilator again. I, I'm done with my major surgery. Please. God willing. But that's my experience with ventilators. So when people talk about ventilators, I know exactly what they're talking about. What's that? Why am I addressing your windpipe? Don't your windpipe lead to your lungs? I don't know where these things were down. They had tubes. They had like four tubes down my throat. I don't know where they were. All I know they is... Pulled a tube out of you, they pulled a tube out of you longer than your height. No, those tubes were down about two feet. I don't know where they went, <laughs> but two feet from my, from my throat <laughs> down into my body, that's a long way. And there were four of them, I remember. And I gag. I have the worst gag reflex in the world. I can't even do x-rays with those little uh, you know, butterfly x-ray film things. I can't do that. Well, I can, but it's, it's torture. And I make these horrible gagging noises. It sounds like they're, they're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> and I even tell the, the dental, uh, you know, assistants, I said, look, this is going to be really bad and really loud. You know, I know you have to do it, but I said, just don't worry. You're not going to hurt me. I'm just going to gag and scream. Okay. And they're like, oh, okay. They don't realize <laughs> anyway. But the point is I understand ventilators. Okay. Um, so I know what this process is like now in my, in my situation to save my life because they couldn't have done that surgery. If they didn't stop my heart, you can't, you can't trim a valve of a heart while it's still beating, right? So I was in a heart-lung machine. Hey, listen, modern medicine, when it's right, is good. But they weren't paying you know, half a million dollars to kill me. Otherwise, no. I wouldn't be here right now. Right? This is before this came in. So something changed in medicine. Something changed between when I had my open-heart surgery in 2016 and 2019 when they brought COVID in. So over those three years, something changed. And hospitals went from a place that would save your life to a place that would kill you. That's what we need to investigate. That's when we became Nazi Germany or Russia or China or Cuba or any place that tortures and kills their people at will. That's what we became. Well, this that's is a Holocaust. worse than election interference. Oh, it's much worse. Oh, yeah. They, they, and think about that. What kind of mindset does it take that uh, you know you're killing people, you get up and go to work every day knowing you're killing people, and you're making money off their death? What kind of person can do that? Anybody that can well, do what that? Kind of mindset would, what kind of mindset would be using these political talking points as we have today that's going on in Georgia and mm-hmm. not investigate and punish those who, who was making tons of hands over fists and money off of what we're speaking about as far as the uh, COVID is concerned? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it question. was just uh, demonic what they done. Wait, look at Dr. Fascist. You know, genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. I, I, I've known this guy a couple of years. I've been, I've been calling him that. You had a problem 
that was manufactured, then mm-hmm. they began to make a long <clears throat> avenue, a long highway of money off of it. There were stops along the way. Mm-hmm. Let me get back like to the article. Santa Claus coming. Well, yeah, no, it's sorry. It's, um, no, don't be sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, but what this is really, this is a payoff for death. This is a death payment. So what we need to do is go into the, uh, the health Nazis, the health bureaucracies, the big pharma, the big tech, because they're involved too, because they suppress the information on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. I know. My shows have been suppressed every time I talk about it. Now they suppress all my shows. We're going to break through it. Don't worry. So the article, next thing she says is, but no, it is not an acceptable answer when the hospital has money at stake. In other words, can you refuse remdesivir? No, you can't because they're going to give it to you anyway. She says the medical staff's preferred method for gaining, quote, consent was relentless bullying, screaming, coercion, and threats until the patient finally caved. Patty Lamar, Ray's widow, told me that when she refused to let them ventilate her husband, the doctor screamed at her over and over, you're killing him, you're killing him, you're killing him, which is, of course, what they wanted to do. When she couldn't take it anymore, she reluctantly gave in. Ray died shortly thereafter, and Patty lives with the trauma of that moment. We've had folks on the show. Marie Clark, remember her? She, was, uh, she got remdesivir and survived it, only because she drank a ton of water. See, they used to deny fluid so the remdesivir would have more effect, right? Would kill you faster. Uh, Rebecca Charles, who has the, the website, uh, deathbyhospitalprotocol.com. She's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, Scott Shara, who lost his daughter, killed by uh, hospitals. He's been on the show. I know these people. You know, it's, uh, it's tragic, but there are some people who are, who are doing something about it. Uh, Laura Bartlett, probably the best one. Uh, and I forgot, I keep forgetting the name of her website. But if you look up Laura Bartlett, she's got a website that actually has a hospital contract that you can make them sign before you go in. They can't do certain things to you or they, they actually do have liability. So you bring back liability to these people and they'll stop doing it because it'll cost them more money than they'll make. And that's what these people care about. Article says, Michael Hamilton told me the fate of his friend, who was a nurse, hospitalized in the place where she had worked for 26 years. When she refused ventilation, the doctor shrieked, you're refusing medical advice. Now your insurance company won't pay your hospital bill when you die. Do you want to bankrupt your family? Do you? Do you? The nurse panicked, and to protect her family, she consented, and then two days later, she died. This was a very common technique, Hamilton said. I've heard it hundreds of times. You tell the patient that unless they do what the doctor says, they'll bankrupt their family because insurance won't pay the hospital bills. Nobody wants to do that to their family. Does this sound like informed consent to you? It sounds more like medical battery to me. Well, I'd call it medical tyranny. She says the entire hospital environment was hellscape of abuse in which informed consent wasn't even a distant memory. Hamilton told me that patients were routinely denied all access to food and water. That's what Marie Clark told us. Stupefied with 50 medications uh, that included drugs contained uh, contraindicated. Well, there's a medical word, contraindicated. In other words, don't do it. Stupefied. Patients were stupefied with 50 medications that included drugs contraindicated for each other, tortured with oxygen machines set at such high levels that they couldn't breathe. Yeah, you can't breathe on 100% oxygen, folks, all right? And zip-tied to the bed so wrists bled and their hands turned black. This is a Holocaust, folks. This is a medical Holocaust. I've been saying this for three years now. She says his stories align with a thousand collected testimonies of COVID-19 Human Betrayal Memory Project, which documents the victims' fates. Now, there's several websites that are going into this. Uh, the, the lawsuits are coming. Uh, it's only a question of when, but see, you don't want the lawsuit. You, know, you want your family member. Okay? See, this never should have happened. This was entirely preventable. 20 cents for hydroxychloroquine, you could have cured COVID most people for about two bucks. 
take some zinc, take some hydroxychloroquine, some vitamin D3, vitamin C, uh, and zithromycin if you're worried about a pneumonia. 20 bucks a week, two weeks, you're done. That's it. But they'd rather give people half a million dollars to kill you. That needs to be investigated. She says, the ultimate denial of informed consent was the hospital's refusal to allow the patients to leave. Patients lost all rights when they went to the hospital. Senator Ron Johnson told Patty Myers in her documentary, Making a Killing. They became prisoners. A cottage industry of hospital rescues cropped up as desperate family members hired lawyers to try and spring their loved ones out of hospital (coughs) care. Uh, Ralph Lorigo. A lawyer in Buffalo told me that in every case when he succeeded in getting a patient's case before a judge and the judge ruled in the family's favor, the patient went home and survived. In all cases where the judge refused to hear the case or ruled against the family, the patient died. Every American is a sovereign individual with unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not a sack of meat to be treated as a profit opportunity. Informed consent must be revived from the grave if Americans are going to have a fighting chance against powerful financial interests allied against them. That's it. That's it. They torture people. Marie Clark told us about that. Denied food and water. Uh, Zip-tied to beds. Uh, Beaten verbally and probably physically. Drugs so they could not consent to anything. They didn't know what they were doing. Isolated from family members. Uh, Kept in the hospital even against court orders killed by remdesivir and ventilators so the hospital could collect their half a million dollars. That was America during COVID, and they want to bring this back. This is a horror show. And again, this is personal. You know, I know people have lost their family members. Uh, I've lost friends. All for no reason. If this were a legitimate disease and the government did everything possible to help people, I wouldn't have a problem. And people die? You know, that, that's... that's uh, that's okay, you know, if they try to do their best. But they didn't try to do their best. They created the virus. They created the, the COVID shot. They paid hospitals to kill people. And they took tax, and they borrowed $7 trillion. They, they borrowed $7 trillion of taxpayer money to fund it all, creating all the inflation we have they today. They pay the hospitals. Uh-huh. They pay the hospitals. That's what I yeah. don't understand. Why come? Politicians will go along with that. And each big city where there's a politician, they probably had a congressperson to visit their board and inform them that we got this coming down that's going to help you. Mm-hmm. And in the back of their head, I'm going to remember your campaign. Mm. But people don't hold the politicians responsible because they were just acting. They were just acting in everybody's best interest. They were acting in the public interest. No, they weren't. The public. There is no public interest. There is no greater good. There is none of this stuff is is uh, is viable. The only public, the only interest is what you choose for yourself. Now, can you quarantine people if they have symptoms of a communicable dangerous disease? Yes, you can. Can you quarantine healthy people with no symptoms of anything? No, you can't. See, quarantine is a due process, too. So the only people that the government could affect directly were those who were visibly sick with symptoms of a communicable disease, as certified by a doctor. Then you get quarantined. Well, that was a very small percentage of people, mostly in nursing homes. Well, you know, you got to look at that, too, because a cold is communicable disease. Yeah, but it's not dangerous. So we, we make a distinction. So in other words, now, this is, now there's a difference between law and Was COVID dangerous? Uh, not really. 
okay. I was sicker with flu. No, than, I, I, I've been sicker with flu than I was with COVID. Neurovirus. You want to talk about a sickness? Neurovirus, which I picked up on a cruise ship. That I was violently ill. They shouldn't for have about been. They shouldn't have been isolating people because of COVID. I'm sorry, of cutting not. you off. No, it's okay. Yeah. No, we're, it, we, this happens all the time. Look, we're both enthusiastic, and, and this happens on the show constantly because we're also enthusiastic about our topics. We always walk on each other. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But, um, you know, when you think of something to say, you want to say it right away. So I understand that. That's why I make a lot of allowances because people make allowances for me when I jump in. That's okay. But the, but the politician is going to have to answer for it. Now, I know someone that... that uh, uh, unfortunately, they're not with us anymore. I'm not going to mention names, but I know someone that gave our, you know, our vaccine product liability bill to uh, Senator Ron Johnson. He has it. The guy that did the COVID hearings, he's got it. He's seen it. He knows about it. He knows that would be the cure for all of us, and he refuses to talk about it. But I know he knows about it because I know the person that gave it to him and talked to him about it. So Senator Ron Johnson in that article, for all the, everybody talks about him being the good guy. Well, if he's such a good guy, how come he hasn't put forward our bill on vaccine product liability that he's had over two years from when I wrote it? That would have stopped all this nonsense. Ed Dowd, the Wall Street guy who came on the show, who wrote, who wrote the book uh, Cause Unknown, talking about all the people that have died suddenly from the COVID shots, he told us on the show that if Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson had product liability, if they actually had to pay for the damages that the products cause, those products would not be on the market. Well, that would solve the problem. If you can't put so-called vaccines on the market because the liability is too high, you can't mandate them because they aren't there. And yet, Senator Johnson is perfectly happy not putting our bill forward. Matt Gates, my own congressman, he's got it. He's seen it probably 30 times in emails. Has he ever talked about it once? No. And the reason is because these people are bought and paid for by Big Pharma, as good as they are, as much as I respect Matt Gates and Ron Johnson. I do not respect the fact that they have not put forward our bill on vaccine product liability that would have stopped all this nonsense. Back when I wrote it, uh, I think March for the vaccine bill two years ago, so that'd be 2021, and July uh, for the big tech censorship bill of 2021. Both of those bills are over two years old, and they would have stopped. Everything that's about to happen, they would have stopped. They would have stopped it when COVID happened the first time. They would have stopped it when COVID, the, the, the mandates are coming back because without big tech censorship, all the good information to be out there. We'd all be taking hydroxychloroquine or quercetin, which is the non-prescription alternative. We'd all be taking ivermectin and we wouldn't have COVID. Nobody would, there would be no vaccine mandates because there'd be no vaccines on the market. We'd have to actually work on our immune system and treating the disease. Gee, what a shock that would be. So the cure for disease is not a vaccine that doesn't work. The cure for a disease is the cure for the disease. The cure for COVID is ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D3, vitamin C, and zinc. We all know this. Everybody, know, every doctor who treated people knows this. I know doctors. Dr. Zelenko treated thousands of people. Dr. You know, Jim Thorpe and Deb Viglione, folks from around here. Brian Artis, nationally. Dr. Uh, Judy Mikovits, who's probably the, the greatest molecular biologist on the planet today. She knows exactly what cures COVID. We know what cures COVID. That's not the point. The fascist cabal of big health Nazis, Dr. Fascist, Big Pharma and Big Tech all colluding together in a fascist cabal killed a million people for money and power. That's the problem. I don't know what to do about that because we know the solution. The solution is vaccine product liability. 
uh, and big tech censorship. Now we're trying to end that. Now we just had Jason Shepard on the show. Jason Shepard, who has the Winkin social media site, um, said on the show he would work with me to, to get a really big profile for, for us and possibly create a citizen legislation section on his 600,000 you know, uh, social media website. That would be huge. That would be a great start. I've got other things in the, in the world. I know somebody's writing a book that's including our bills in it. I'm not going to say who yet. You wouldn't believe the things that are going on in the background. You know, um, major stuff like that is, is out there, but it just hasn't happened yet. But it will. My problem is I, all the people that die before we get there. We could have saved that million people. If our show was big and those bills had gotten out there on time, we could have saved most of the million people that died through government uh, abuse for profit. And that makes me sad. Well, you're requiring people... <laughs> You're requiring people to be ethical and moral, which they not when it comes to money. Yeah, but see, the Nuremberg trials make them ethical and moral. See, they don't have to have the conscience to do it. It's the law. Informed consent is the law. The hospitals can't give you remdesivir just because they want to, just because they make money off it. That's illegal. That's malpractice. So the only way they could get away with it is if the malpractice laws were taken out. And they were taken out. That was the whole purpose of the Declaration of uh, Emergency. Was to t- the very first line in the Declaration of Emergency, there is no liability during this COVID emergency. The very first line. Informed consent is an educated process. And people but it's the law. Educated it's the law. It's lines. the law. But, Pianchi, it's the I know law. it, but people, <clears throat> people don't know that. So that that's we agree. Does. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep, absolutely right. Ignorance of the law is one of the biggest problems out there. I'm going to find something that uh, I, I, I work with a lot. Let me see if I can find this one particular thing. I keep forgetting where I put it. But it's the law that says that you don't have to take a vaccine regardless of uh, a mandate. Yeah, let's see if I can find it. I don't want to shut off the show by accident. <laughs> uh, I gotta find a place where I can put this where I can find it easily. I keep forgetting where I put it. Well, I got oh, oh, here we go. I got it. I got, economic. I got it. Okay, go ahead. All right. So this is the law. Okay. So 21 U.S. Code Section 360 BBB-3 Authorization for Medical Products. Subpart E Conditions of Authorization. Subpart One un- Unapproved Product. That's what uh, the COVID shot is an unapproved product. It's authorized, but it's not approved. Big difference. A Required Conditions. Subpart little I, two, appropriate conditions designed to ensure that individuals to whom the product is administered are informed. Let me say that again. So this is right in the federal law. Appropriate conditions designed to ensure that individuals to whom the product, in other words, vaccine, which is not a vaccine, is administered, are informed. And here's the big part. This is part three of the option to accept or refuse administration of the product of the consequences, if any, of refusing administration of the product and of the alternatives to the product that are available and of their benefit and risks. So the alternatives, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. So the federal law says they had to be informed of that. The law says people have to be informed of the option to accept or refuse administration of the COVID shot. And it's right there. So 21, U.S. Code, Section 360. I've posted a bunch of times. 2020 U.S. Code Section 360 BBB-3. 
It's right there. So anybody wants to look up and find it, I'll do it again slowly so everybody can find it. 21 U.S. Code, Section 360BBB, and those are lowercase b's, dash 3, dash, authorization for medical products. Then you look up subsections E, 1, A, I, triple I, <laughs> of the option to accept or refuse administration of the product. It's right there in federal law. You can't mandate it. Well, you know, because the it's, not, thing, it's not approved. They can't mandate it. All those mandates were bogus. Yes, people would rather look. Well, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that people would rather look at look at Title Twenty Eight, look for a corporation of the United States, rather than something that's more pertinent. Mm-hmm. And it's immediately yeah, affecting their No, health. you're right though. You're right. People would rather rather think that there are chemtrails. This actually relates. This is a really good point. People would rather think that there are chemtrails, that the U.S. is a corporation, that all our lawyers are registered in England, that uh, all this other bizarre stuff is happening, rather than simply share a federal law that anybody can look up that says you cannot mandate an unapproved product, that people have the right to accept or refuse it, and they have the right to know the alternatives. It's right there in federal law. It couldn't be more clear. And yet, people accepted the mandate. So they didn't, they didn't look up the federal law. And I, po- I post this all the time. I post this continually on Facebook and other places. But guess what? I'm censored. So how many people do I reach? Not enough. How many people hear the show and don't tell their friends and they don't tell their friends and they don't tell their friends? That's the problem. So I get 600,000 people on a social media site. Now I'm going to have some more impact. That's going to be pretty good. We know how to fight this next battle. I knew how to fight the first one, <laughs> you know, but nobody was listening. Remember that bill we wrote? Um, so here's the, here's the timeline. I've talked about this before on the show. February 25th of 2020, okay? You know, Trump had just been traveled from China three weeks previously. February 25th, Bill Gertz comes on the show, courtesy of Dr. Peter Pry. He was the one that brought him on. He introduced us to him. Bill Gertz, top Washington Times correspondent, foreign policy, uh, national security correspondent, tells us that uh, this thing originated in the Wuhan lab. Can't prove it yet. That's what he thinks. And he was right. Because the gain of function, in other words, making this thing more deadly that they were doing here, Barack Obama, and probably one of the few good things he did, said he can't do that. So Dr. Fascist moves it over to China, pays for it over there. That's how it ended up in China. And, of course, the Chinese... You know, Communist Party uses it for the, the People's Liberation Army. So they, they're, all, they're all working together on this also. So we knew that February 25th, right? 2020. We're not even talking about 15 days to slow spread. That's still three weeks away. February 27th, two days later, I wrote a bill saying this is probably a, a bioweapon. I said this may have national security implications. It was probably created. And I said that uh, the, the resolution was that Congress shall spend no more than half of its money for COVID on these vaccines that the other half or more has to be spent on early treatments. February 27th, that was the cure. March 2nd, we went public. You know, Remember that March 2nd? We went public. So look, chloroquine secure. There is no pandemic. We had the answer in like two weeks. Be- you know, two weeks before 15 days to slow the spread, we had already figured out all of this. Simple logic and reason. We're not geniuses. Well, you know, the, you, you know what? It, a lot of things have to do with the bureaucrats that wouldn't let that information come forward. Exactly. See, somebody has to be communicating with media. 
whether it's social media or whether it's mainstream, mm-hmm. and preventing information from coming out. Because when when they call and in, in, inquiring about questions, they talking mm-hmm. to bureaucrats. It's usually the bureaucrat head, somebody lower a lower inkling answer the phone. Oh, you need to speak to my boss. So there mm-hmm. is another element that causes the big problem. You got these bureaucrats. Well, the bureaucrats should be term limited also. Well, oh well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, well, that's a whole other. I'll, I'll talk about. It. Well, I'm going to have some oh, severe bureaucrat restriction plans. But here's the problem too. In order for these people to know what sensor, they had to know the information ahead of time. So, in other words, for them to know that hydroxychloroquine had to be censored, they had to know that it cured COVID, right? Dr. Fascist said in 2005, hydroxychloroquine kills coronaviruses. COVID is a coronavirus. He knew. 15 years before COVID-19 hit that hydroxychloroquine cured COVID. So he already knew that that information had to be suppressed. He knew. So the reason censorship works is because the people, you know, who are censoring already know the information that you're trying to get out. They already know it. And that's what makes it so evil. He knew. They all knew that ivermectin cured COVID. They knew that hydroxychloroquine cured COVID. They knew it, but they didn't want COVID cured. They wanted COVID to be well, around you know long what enough. I think with him, What's that? I think somebody came up with a devious plan, and he went along with it rather than fight it. No, I think he created the plan. No. Remember, remember when he killed Freddie Mercury with AZT during the, uh, the AIDS epidemic? We did a show on that. Did Dr. Fascist kill Freddie Mercury? Yeah, and but our conclusion was, yes, he did. He had to go along with somebody in order to take it to the furthest extent that we have now, getting the subsidies and so on, so on, so on. That was a Well, Congress conspiracy. had to go along with it. Oh, it was definitely a conspiracy. Oh, absolutely. And that's a real conspiracy. The conspiracy to kill a million people and make billions of dollars in profit. That's what COVID is. It's a conspiracy to deny rights, to deny information, to deny treatments, to deny informed consent, to impose mandates that... that can't possibly be legal under any circumstance. Not only are they statutorily legal, they're constitutionally illegal. And yet they did it. They got away with it because not enough people know the law, know the Constitution, know their rights, or have the gumption to stand up as we do and say, this is all a lie. This is wrong. Now, I paid the price of censorship. My company was set back. Action Radio was set back three years. But I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to lie to people just to get more listeners and make money and get the approval of government who I know is killing people. I'm not going to do it. Well, I'm going to have to get on my Paul Revere voice and spread the word. Well, please do. Now, this is actually a really important show today. I thought it was going to be kind of casual and light, but we covered some major topics. This is a serious show, and I'm speaking from the heart. This is why I do what I do. This is why we're all here. This is why we've gathered these incredible people from across the country to do something that's never been done before, to actually write the laws we consent to be governed by, to go to the government and say, no, you're wrong. You can't do this. You're not going to listen to all these uh, money-making folks. We're going to have more votes than they're going to give you dollars. It's going to be that simple. And it used to be Mr. You need to write a book and uh, be a number one publisher. Yeah, well, listen, I know Tony Lyons at Skyhorse Publishing. So as soon as I get the time to write a book, when I get some administrative staff, take some of the other duties off my... uh, off my, uh, my regular weekly uh, – you wouldn't believe how much time it takes to put together a three-hour show every day. It's unbelievable. 
<laughs> you know, I'm getting good at it. I've, I've reduced my time. But that takes a, it takes a major amount of time to administer the show yeah, as well as run it put, and be the producer. What's that? Don't forget to put in your book that you and Pianchi had a discussion. That way my greatest, greatest grandchild can read. Yeah, see there? There he is right there. <laughs> what you should do is save the links to the shows where you've had you know, some major input, and that would be this one. So you should start a file. Just go back, and you know the shows you've called recently, but go back and listen. Listen to where you, where you, you know, because you're on a lot. You're, you're building a huge library that you can give to your family. So go back to the shows, find out when you're on, and uh, note those shows and put a note by the link. Or you start doing it now. You know, we've got a lot of work to do. But uh, this would be the first one I would send out to your family. Say, hey, starting from the first hour. <laughs> you know, for, the first hour was, uh, was uh, you know, Animal shelter and next. Yeah, we got to come up with a way to stop this and make sure it don't happen again. Well, I've, I've already got I've already got the legislation written: vaccine product liability and to big set, big tech censorship. Um, I've got a bill that says early treatments. We've got the ways to do it. We just have to get the people. See, it's, yeah, we need we've the done way our to part. Punish people. Yeah, we yeah, got to punish done our these part. politicians and monetary. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. There's got to be a way to punish them. Well, there is. Title, eight, title 18, Section 241 and 242. 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. Anytime you deny any U.S. citizen the exercise or enjoyment of a constitutional right, which happened all through COVID, that's a major fine. That's a felony. That's fines and jail time. So that means every. Oh, this is my 60-second warning. So everybody that was involved in COVID, uh, Governor Widmer in Michigan, Governor Gavin Newsom, even Governor DeSantis in Florida, anybody who did a lockdown, is subject to Title Eight in Section 241 conspiracy against rights penalties. That includes most of the Congress. That includes even Trump, although I hate to say it. Now, I don't think he denied rights. I have to think about that. And a lot of people in Congress, they voted for things, but who really denied rights? The health bureaucrats, head of health and human services, the guy that works for Pfizer now. All, down, all the hospitals that kill people, they denied them the rights to life and liberty and property. So there's a, there's a um, Title 18, Section 241 violations for tens of thousands of people all across this country that killed that million people. They're liable for that. So the cure is there, but the willingness to enforce it isn't. Same thing with our bills. You know, if the National Trials ever pick up their phone and talk to me and return my phone calls and return my emails, they could have, a, they could have multi-billion dollar settlements against Big Pharma if they would get our vaccine product liability bill out there in the, in the, in the public. Elon Musk, instead of spending $44 billion on Twitter, could have spent $44 million, a thousand times less, marketing our big tech censorship bill, which would have cured censorship for all of social media. He didn't do it. I certainly emailed him enough times, but his minions, with no vision, no understanding, you know, tossed it out because they didn't know who I was. So that was their criteria. If they don't know who I am, if I'm not a big shot person, then uh, they tossed my email, even though I had the cure, even though I could have saved uh, Elon Musk a thousand times uh, what he paid for Twitter. Okay. <laughs> I tried. You know. Someday they'll listen, but not yet. Let's tie it up for this week. Um, final thoughts, and then I'll play a couple things, and we'll do it again Monday. Monday's gonna be, uh, Monday is 9-11, so Monday we're going to talk the Patriot Act. Uh, I'm not going to do my traditional show about why Building 7 didn't blow up from an airplane. Uh, I've done that too many years, so now we're going to change. We're going to cover the Patriot Act and all the freedoms we've lost because of 9-11. So that's going to be Monday's show. Pianchi, your thoughts okay. for the weekend? 
Stay sound. I will. You too. Thanks for your help today. Mark the show. Send it to your family. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Oh, boy. I was not expecting this. Uh, this, this is a show for, for the ages, uh, especially the last two hours. I mean, the first, first hour was great with uh, Derek and with uh, Tara. But uh, if you want to listen to uh, a barn burner of a show, this is the one to share. Okay. <laughs> that might be it. Uh, let me just play our, our contact information one more time. And what time is it now? 10.01. Ten, we're actually finishing somewhat on time. Play our contact one more time, and then a couple more things after that, and then we'll be back on Monday morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, um, when we talk about the Patriot Act, when we do it all again. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. So as you probably figured out, I pressed the wrong button in terms of the information. So those are, are two of our uh, commercial announcements. This is the information. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. 
Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.